With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. What's happening? Welcome in. My name's Jason Martin. This is Fox Sports Radio. Happens to be called the Jason Martin Show, which I appreciate. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. On Twitter at jmartradio. The crew, Nick Battaglia. Chris Perfett, Steve DeSager in, and Kevin Figures will be joining us here in a little while. We appreciate Steve hanging on for a couple of extra minutes. We're here courtesy of Discover. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, which is pretty daggone awesome because Discover is now accepted almost everywhere. How about 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards? Learn more at discover.com slash yes2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations do apply. Well, if you were one of those people that appreciated weekends without football, I have some unfortunate news to let you in on. And that is, I think we're done with those. College game starts in about three weeks. Now with preseason in effect for the NFL, pretty much a wrap on that. So I hope you enjoyed your time because now football is here. Now, yes, it is fake football. It is faux football. And I've got things on my mind. Not the least of which is this. There is no dumber thing than hot taking the preseason guy, especially if you're paid to have opinions for a living. I mean, yes, I get it, but being reasonable during the preseason would help a lot. There is nothing that we're seeing right now that we need to overreact to. It doesn't mean that you act like absolutely nothing is happening. 
but you do have to put things into perspective. And Thursday night on the NFL Network, during the halftime of Patriots football team, I'm watching highlights from Pittsburgh, Philadelphia. And I'm looking at Maurice Jones-Drew on my screen. Heck of a player, smart guy, thoughtful guy. And then he said something just flat out but stupid. And I'm just like, what are we doing here, man? There was no need. Like Nobody was asking you to run back into the building. There was no one left. Like the, the building is burning. You don't have to roll back into that joint and try to save an inanimate object. There's no people there. There's no pets in there. Still runs into the burning building and tries to save like a sofa or something. No one asked for this. This is the internet meme that maybe half the people that use it really get, where it's like, no one, absolutely no one, seriously no one, Maurice Jones-Drew, and then it's some meme. Here's what Maurice Jones-Drew said. He's talking about Jalen Hurts, the quarterback for the Eagles, former Alabamian. And he says, I'll tell you what you do have. You know who the guy is in Philadelphia. Jalen Hurts is the guy. If you give him time, he's basically Russell Wilson. And we're seeing highlights of guys not making plays for the Eagles and him defending those, basically, and saying, Hurts is definitely a guy. Look at the confidence and the poise. He's so Russell Wilson-like. Is he? If only because he's also a starter at quarterback right now in the NFL, then yes, he's like Russell Wilson, and he played in college too. But Jalen Hurts is fighting to try and prove that he belongs on the NFL level. He is fighting to prove that's a job that he should have for a lengthy amount of time. He's trying to prove that they don't need to go draft another quarterback next year or trade for one in the offseason. He's trying to trying to prove, no, you don't have to go get Deshaun Watson if ever he's available. You don't have to join the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes. I'm younger, and I can play. Lest we forget how it worked out for Jalen Hurts in college. Lost his job to Tuatongo Vailoa because the knock was he couldn't throw. Despite the fact he had only lost two games in college, he was done. And so he transferred to Oklahoma, where he proceeded to get to the college football playoff, which actually surprised me. I was thoroughly impressed with how he performed at Oklahoma. Didn't win a championship. And then got drafted, sort of, you know. I can't remember exactly what round. But he certainly wasn't a guaranteed prospect. I think he was a day two guy. And he came in last year to a team that was an utter disaster, where the starting quarterback's now in Indy. He's hurt, but he's there. The coach was let go. Just total upheaval in Philadelphia in the offseason. And he's still there. And now he's going to get the opportunity to show what he can do. But it's very, the jury is completely and totally out on Jalen Hurts right now. This is his prove-it year. This is his show-it year. So he plays one half of preseason football, and then Maurice jones goes further. He's like, this is a serious defense he's playing against in Pittsburgh. Is it? Is it? On August the 12th. It's a serious defense he's playing. I know the Steelers do take preseason a little bit more seriously sometimes in terms of how they utilize it. 
Not that they're trying to necessarily win the game as if that necessarily matters. I mean, yes, they're keeping score, so everybody does want to win. But at the same time, it's about development and growth, seeing what you've got, seeing what kind of depth you have at certain positions that stacks up in case the starters get banged up. But to use that to make a case that Jalen Hurts is proving he's the guy and then making a comparison to a Super Bowl champion who, if he retired today, I think is a lock for Canton in Russell Wilson, does no one any favors, and actually kind of makes Maurice Jones-Drew look less intelligent than we know Maurice Jones-Drew to be. And I think that the reason why is because MJD felt like on that set, I gotta say something. I've gotta say something right now. And the, and, and the truth of the matter is this. No, you really don't. No, no, the heck you do not. There is no need for that whatsoever. Mac Jones, last night, I'm watching him play. And I like what I see. And then I have to temper it back and say, it's the preseason. But I do like how, how he's standing in the pocket. I like the confidence that he's moving with. I like the way he's throwing the ball, despite the fact that some of those dudes were not getting, quote, Alabama open, unquote, which was the thing that dogged out Tua in year one, was Ryan Fitzpatrick having to come up to him on the sidelines in one of the games and saying, hey man, stop waiting for these guys to get Crimson Tide open because it ain't going to happen. NFL open, you've got to have the ball in their hands. And NFL open is something that might frighten you unless you're pretty daggone accurate. And Mac Jones, you know, he was looking for one. It should have, if Bill Belichick had cared enough to challenge it, it would have been a completed pass. But it was kind of a shoestring grab two inches from the grass. And not one of Mac Jones's better throws that you'll see him make. But he also threw some nice balls in the game. But what I don't really need today is to come on here and tell you that Mac Jones is Tom Brady 2.0. Or that Mac Jones is a bust. I just thought, hey, you know what? He did some good things. He did a couple things I know he wants to have back. A throw that he you know, he missed one by about a yard or so. That would have been a, a big time gainer down the side in the third quarter. But all of this was the first time he had put on that Patriots uniform. And played against guys and played with guys he's still not all that familiar with. There are going to be growing pains for every rookie quarterback that gets an opportunity to play, especially when you get to the regular season. So I thought with what you would expect a rookie quarterback to do, why wouldn't you be too I mean, why wouldn't you be pretty pretty pleased with what you saw? But now we just gotta see more and we gotta see when he gets into the game. All I know is that Cam Newton fumbled on that first possession and that was it. But Cam said nice things about Mac and Mac said nice things about Cam. And even though that's a competition, if Cam starts week one because he's the experienced guy, I think Mac Jones probably has the job by around midseason, unless Cam just goes on a tear, which I don't anticipate, even though they did spend a lot of money. I don't think the Patriots offense is some kind of juggernaut right now. So Resist the temptation to get sucked into preseason take guy. Preseason take guy is the worst. Because what's usually lost is context. The third string quarterback might look really good against third string guys, but you have to remember if the third string quarterback is called into action in the NFL regular season 
Uh, the requirement for the other team is not to put in their third string guys. It is playing against their first team guys who want to maul that guy, force him into a bad decision, pick six him, or take it the other way, or force a fumble, or something. That's the difference here. When you see the twos against the twos and the threes against the threes, man, the threes start to look all right. But you put the threes against the one, and then you realize, oh, wait, 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 wait. I got it now. Now I'm the other meme, the one with the guy like pointing to his hand like, oh, yeah, yep, yep, yep. Pro tip. Yeah, the threes are against the threes because they're threes. Back to the NBA for just a second. If you think about Kevin Love and Chris Bosh on teams with LeBron James, both those two dudes are very good basketball players. Chris Bosh, at one point in time, tried to be a one in Toronto. And he was the one, but they didn't do very much with him as the one. Kevin Love, when he was called in to be a two because of an injury, wasn't capable of doing it. When Chris And Chris Bosh couldn't be a two. Dwayne Wade was the two. Chris Bosh was the three. If you ask somebody on an NBA floor to step up into a role and become a two when they're a three, usually it doesn't work out. And I don't mean positions on the floor like point guard, shooting guard, small forward. I'm talking about a three, a two, and a number one option. So these threes that are out there, you always have to remember who they're playing against and realize that that's not going to be the case if they're ever used and needed on the field. So then you say, okay, well, what are they doing against the threes? That's all they've been asked to do. What could they have done against the twos? Well, you can speculate on that, and you can say, well, I like this technique, and I like this. But you really, it's not an apples-to-apples comparison. So when that quarterback goes out there and lights it up, man, our third-string quarterback went 12-17 for 145 yards. Looked really good out there. Looked better than our second string guy. Yeah, but second string guy was playing against better people. They might be very close. It is possible your third string quarterback might be better in some facets than the second string guy. And maybe they're competing for that job. But the lack of comparison where it's not the same guys being thrown to in many cases or the same guys blocking in some cases or the same guys coming from the other side, attacking you defensively, that all needs to be taken into consideration. Things that I do pay attention to a little bit, I look at special teams. I look at guys and see where they could fill on special teams, and then I look at the kicking game. What did you see on Thursday in Patriots football team? Missed field goals. Here in Tennessee, where the Titans are the team that I cover on a daily basis, over the last two seasons, the Titans have been 61% from field goal range. This is a team with Super Bowl aspirations. They went and paid a ton of money on both sides of the ball with Julio and Bud Dupree and Danico Autry and Janoris Jenkins. Like they, they feel like they've got a real opportunity this year. Not if they're 61% for field goals. And I don't know who it is that's going to end up with that job, if that guy's even on the roster right now. So yeah, I was paying close attention to that. And I think that that's one that, that many teams in the league, many fans in the league that aren't sure about their situation, they're going to pay attention to that. But again, resist hot take preseason guy because he will lead you astray. He will hoodwink and bamboozle you and take you down the wrong pathway. You can watch preseason, but you always have to have that barrier in your mind to remember what you're watching And then take the extra step and say, okay, this guy looks pretty good. Who is he playing against right now?
And then you can evaluate a little bit more fairly. But a lot of this is just fugazi. A lot of it is ripe for overreaction or overvaluing. I like watching the rookie quarterbacks during a preseason just as much as the next guy. I really do. I was excited Thursday, not just because I could have football on in the background, but just because I did want to see what Mac Jones looks like. I do want to see Justin Fields. I do want to see Trevor Lawrence. I do want to see Zach Wilson. I do want to see all of these guys. But I'm not going to base what I think their career is going to be based on how they look, in many cases, against the twos. And if you were drafted later, maybe even the threes. I'm not going to do that. I know you can only perform against what's in front of you. But this is exhibition. This is fake football. This ain't week one. Resist, ladies and gentlemen. Resist. Hot take preseason guy. He will suck the oxygen right out of your skull. When we come back, another take about preseason. And I think a lot of teams are starting to figure this out for themselves. And I think it's a trend that's going to continue and should continue. I'll tell you what that is in about five minutes. I'm Jason Martin, and this is Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field. 
Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome back. I'm Jason Martin. This is Fox Sports Radio. Almost the middle of August already. I said there in the first segment, resist the urge to fall for the tricks of NFL preseason, especially hot take guy in the media that wants to tell you how good or bad somebody's going to be based on what they're seeing. I don't even know if they believe that, but you can get sucked into it really easily. You can get sucked into just straight up Fugazi. This guy's going to be great. Let's forget he's playing against the third string and he's with the threes. That's not how that's going to play out because if he has to play in the regular season, they get the other team gets to keep whoever they want out there. Like they don't have to match personnel if they don't want to. And they're actually going to be trying to win. And if he's a quarterback, they're going to try to take his head off. And if he's a running back, they're going to try to take his head off. And if he's a receiver, they're going to try and take his head off. And he's a tight end. Uh, you know how this goes. And if you cover training camps for any length of time, and you know I've gone to, I don't know, three or four different Titans camps through the years. Now with COVID, the rules have changed, so I, I didn't get to go at all last year and maybe not going to get to go this year. But I, and you learn this, I think, by making the mistake. There are guys that you watch in camp and at practice, and you say, that dude's a star. Why, Man, I can't wait to watch him on Sundays. Why have we not seen him before? And then he might get a sniff, and it goes all kinds of wrong on a Sunday, and then you realize, oh, he's just really good at practice. He shows out at camp. He's making all sorts of ridiculous catches. Then in a game, he can't do anything. There are guys that practice really well, but don't play all that well in the NFL. It happens. Happens in everything. Sometimes you you don't test well. You know what I'm saying? You're pretty good in class. You do all the homework, but when it comes down to the test, you're getting F minuses on that. And that's why you're not on the field. And that's why I didn't really know that guy. He's actually been in the organization for a couple of years, but he's been on the practice squad. How's he on a practice squad? Look at these plays that he's making. Never makes one in an actual game, but looks awesome when you're hanging out in shorts on a Wednesday afternoon. There's another trend that we are, I think we're increasingly going to keep seeing this, and I think that Sean McVay was ahead of the curve here. I think this is the fourth year now that the starters aren't going to play for the Rams. If you have a starting quarterback where there's no question he's your starter, right? And I don't even mean just an elite guy. I'm not talking just Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or somebody like that. I'm talking about anybody that that you know is your QB1 that's not competing for that job. And maybe even, even if they are. What possible reason would you have to suit that guy up to play in the preseason at all? What do you need to see? What risks are there? We know. What reward is there for them playing in the preseason? At best, maybe you develop a little bit of chemistry with some receiver. But you can also do that in practice. You can do that in scrimmage situations. You can do that... 
you can do that on the Wednesday afternoon. I, I don't feel like at this stage in the game, with as important as the quarterback spot is, and I think that it's not just quarterbacks, I think a lot of starters should never see the field in preseason. I think increasingly you're going to keep seeing this, especially now with the 17 regular season games that may, I know eventually the owners would like to get that thing to 18. But in the preseason, I don't want to see these guys. I mean, not because I wouldn't want to watch them. I love watching them. But I'm going to get my chance to watch them in games that matter. I don't want to not get a chance to watch them in games that matter because they've gotten hurt in games that don't. And we've had those things happen. I, I mean, look, at practice you're getting injuries. You're getting guys missing time. You got Rashad Bateman out with the groin injury that he sustained. You've got the Wentz situation. You've got the Quentin Nelson situation. You've got enough opportunities for these guys to get banged up or to have something happen or something go wrong without subjecting them to 60 minutes of fake football being played at three-quarter speed or whatever it is. It's not getting you up to game game speed to play in a preseason. I've made this analogy before, but Bret Hart always said, it's not the punch that you throw, that you you step into and really throw in a pro wrestling match where guys get hurt. Usually it's the one where you're trying to pull the punch. You hurt yourself or you hurt the other person. There's something about preseason that always just, it's like, I'm glad that I kind of have football in front of me, but I also at the same time I'm cringing. And I, I mentioned last week, get Chase Claypool the heck out of the game because we know he can play. It's the same, it's the same basic argument. If you know the guy can play, why is he out there? If you're trying to evaluate depth and you're trying to see some guys and you're trying to give some young guys an opportunity to see what they look like, trying to give them situations like pressure situations they might face, see how they react to it, see how they respond to it, see what this guy might be able to do from a talent standpoint. Maybe he can become a special team star for you, all that. I get all of that. And I understand you're trying to fill out the right 53 and you're the preseason is basically to fill 47 through 53 or somewhere of those whereabouts, that last five, six guys on the roster, trying to weed through that to make sure you cut the right ones. Well, if that's the case, then your superstar running back, your top receivers, your quarterback, they don't need to play at all because they're going to get plenty of opportunity to play and you need them at their best. So... McVeigh pretty much has pulled that curtain back, and I don't know that he's the first guy to do it, but he's certainly the one that's been most consistent about just, he just really doesn't take preseason all that seriously. And I get it. it. It's more of a commodity than anything else. Like, what are you really learning from this? I spent the entire first segment saying all that you see, look, things might not be as they appear. You're looking through a funhouse mirror. You're not seeing things in reality terms. You're seeing them in carnival terms. I don't want to see my quarterback out there. If I know he's the guy, I don't care how good he might look. And I don't care if he becomes 1% or 2% better because he plays in the, in the preseason. And I can understand a situation where you have a quarterback and you've gone and you've gotten new draft pick receivers or 
you've gone and acquired a free agent wide receiver and you're trying to develop chemistry, but you can still do that in camp. I mean, you can still gel together just working those guys enough and giving them enough reps together. Yeah, there's probably going to be some rust, but do you think you're shaking off a whole lot of rust in three preseason games? I don't. Not at all, as a matter of fact. So I'm arguing against my own better interests as a fan in the short term because I'd rather play the long game. I don't care if the preseason stinks as a viewing experience as long as the regular season does not. And when you look at even just what we saw in the NBA playoffs with a lot of the stars that we wanted to see that might have changed the outcome of multiple series, including and not limited to the team that ended up winning the championship probably not winning it had all things been equal and the team in the west that actually made the finals maybe not being the team that even came out of the west had all things have been equal those kinds of situations it's just sports takes its toll so the more that you add the more chances you have the more attrition the more wear and tear on the body they're not you know they're not wearing flags they are getting tackled there are hits being made guys are being hurt i mean matthew judon on thursday night with the patriots just another example you don't want to see anything catastrophic happen but you can actually control that to some degree if you're a coach or you're somebody that has decision-making capacity for one of these NFL clubs, and you're just like, no, shut this down before it begins. If you don't want to get electrocuted, don't walk out in a lightning storm. And I'm not even saying carrying metal, but, I mean, you reduce your risk quite a bit by just not being outside. If you don't want to die in a tornado, don't drive toward the tornado. Go to the lowest room in your house with no windows and do what all the meteorologists tell you when EAS starts interrupting your favorite program on Thursday night or whenever it is that the tornado is rolling through. If you're a storm chaser, it's a possibility the storm might end up chasing you. Like These are things that can happen. You put yourself in scenarios where the risk-reward is always in your favor, or at least the balance is there. What is the reward for a starting quarterback playing in the preseason? I mean, really, what is the maximum that you're going to get out of that? How important is it? Rookie quarterbacks? Absolutely. Got to put them out there. It's like summer league in the NBA. Got to put them out there. I mean, you got to protect them, too. When I saw Mac Jones run the ball on Thursday night, if I'm Belichick... Or if I'm Josh McDaniels, I'm yanking him to the sideline on the next play. I'm like, dude, don't you ever do that again. He got tackled running. I know what you're trying to do. Good on you for having that kind of heart, bro. But that five-star heart is going to lead you to the IR. It's going to lead you to injured reserve. Don't do that. It's the preseason. You can either take you can take that loss, but get down, get down, get the ball out of your hands. And if you have decided to run to grab a couple of yards, don't initiate contact. I appreciate it, but I don't want to see it. I want to see intelligence, and I want to see preservation because I care too much about the game being full strength 
for all 32 teams, or as close to it as we're going to get, we're never going to get full strength. There's always going to be the unfortunate things that happen during camp and happen during practice, even happen off facility. And there's going to be the mistakes that guys make that keep them unavailable and all this. But I don't have to add another 180 potential minutes of football for starters and then just play roulette with them to then potentially hurt my season. That's the deal. The risk is huge. The reward is not all that much. I would rather shake the rust off in week one if I had to. But you also have all of these days of camp. You have all of this work that you're doing, individual work, film room work, all of these things. The workouts, the diets, strength and conditioning, the ramp up. I know the ramp up is incredibly important in the NFL. Make sure you're ramping up properly and getting yourself to the speed that you're going to then see on Sundays. I get all of that. Simulate as much of that as you can in practice and camp. But do not put my starting quarterback of my football team in a preseason game, get him hurt, and then make me not even care about the first month of the regular season because you've already dashed my hopes because I saw him get banged up in a random first quarter on the NFL Network with dudes calling the game that I'm not even sure who are. I think perspective is important when it comes to preseason. It's pretty much the point of the start of this program perspective on what you're seeing and not overreacting to it and perspective when it relates to I'd rather not even see the guys that I'm most excited about the ones that I'm going to be drafting in fantasy and the ones that are going to make or break my actual football team in a non-actual football game let's go out and catch up in LA on the latest and an update from, is it Steve? Is Steve still in or is Figures back? I have tagged Figures in. Figures is back. What's I've, going on, Kev? Yeah, I've tagged in. I've tagged in. Thank you to Steve Sager for holding it down for a minute there, Jason. I'll start with some uh, late Major League Baseball. The Giants getting a home run from Wilmer Flores in a 5-4 to four victory over the Rockies. That is five straight wins for San Francisco. Arizona handing San Diego their third straight loss on a Dalton Varsho walk-off home run. Kyle Tucker a grand slam leading the Astros over the Angels. Seattle beating Toronto 3-2 to two on a walk-off walk. Rays hammer the Twins 10-4. Nelson Cruz hitting a home run against his former squad in that one. Will Smith, the go-ahead home run in extras as the Dodgers defeated the Mets. Red Sox dominated Baltimore 8-1. Wins for the Cardinals, Rangers, and Indians. Atlanta over Washington 4-2 with four solo home runs providing all the scoring for the Braves. Three preseason games in the NFL. The Cardinals beating Dallas on a last-second field goal. Jarrett Goff 7-9 for 56 yards in his Lions debut, but Buffalo did beat Detroit on a late field goal there as well. Titans dominating Atlanta 23 to three and in college football news or college sports news in general according to the athletic the pac-12 acc and big 10 have had preliminary discussions about a possible alliance in the wake of the texas and oklahoma joining the sec back to jason martin yeah that story is wild uh we'll talk about it a little bit later on it's still so in the infancy that I don't even know what to say about it just yet but it is fascinating to see just how much of the horror movie villain the SEC seems to have become based on some of the reporting and the story and what these three conferences aligning what could mean. But we'll get to it a little bit later on. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, which is amazing. Discover accepted 99% of places in the U.S. to take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report limitations apply. 
Nick, I know you were talking to me during that last break, going back to the first segment about not overreacting to things that you're seeing in preseason, and you actually mentioned a specific instance where, in many respects, a lot of people got got thinking that they were watching the second coming of like Emmett Smith or somebody, and it turned out, oh no, uh, that dude was pretty good in college, but what we're seeing here is not necessarily going to translate to the regular season. Yeah, so when I was in college, C.J. Spiller, he was, of course, the first-round pick by the Buffalo Bills way back when, you know, and it, I remember during the preseason, I'm watching the preseason, and he's tearing up defenses, and immediately my thought as a teenager was like, oh my God, this guy is, you know, going to be amazing in the regular season. I had my fantasy draft, I remember, like, the week after the preseason or re- the week of the preseason ending, I took him in one of the higher rounds with one of my picks, and he ended up sitting on my bench the, pretty much the entire year, and pretty much, I think the most points he got me that season was, like, eight points, and that was it. Like, he didn't really do much for me that at all that season. Yeah, and look, he was a great player at Clemson, and that's the other problem is you get psyched up by big names that you saw in college, and you really you don't know what a lot of these guys are going to be when they get to the NFL because the game is so radically different. The speed is different. The guys you're playing with are different, but the guys you're playing against are so much better in many cases than a lot of the competition that you've seen, or in almost every case, as a matter of fact. So you have to be really cautious. But you do literally you're playing you're playing true American, trying not to step in the lava in your living room as you're watching preseason. Because it is very easy to become enamored with performances that just are going to be very difficult to duplicate or replicate when the other team has its best out there and cares. Now, it doesn't mean that the team you're watching cares and the other one doesn't. I'm not suggesting that. I'm saying neither one of them are playing their hands. They're all trying to bluff the other one. Like, I mean, I watched the the Tennessee-Atlanta game, and it was a 23-3 game. Arthur Smith, the new head coach for the Falcons, it's not like he was going to show a lot. He had to be careful. In this one, I mean, he had been with Tennessee for a decade before this, so they already knew him anyway. But you're going to see all this vanilla stuff, and then there are some weeks that are more vanilla than others. I'm just glad we're down to three of these. I'm, I'm glad we're down to three of these, and then we get to the season. Do, do we really need a 17th game? No. I understand why the players really don't want that. I understand why the owners want 18. It's all, it's all about money for one, and the other one, it's all about, yeah, we, we want to get paid for this, but we also... Look at our quality of life and look at our chance of injury. Look at our longevity and our careers, all of this. So there's different factors that are being taken into consideration. But I do think maybe the easiest thing to do is to watch a skill player, especially on offense, watch that person in the preseason and think that what you're seeing is exactly what it's going to be. The C.J. Spiller example is a good one. I don't know how many quarterbacks look like, man, how does this guy not have a job? How do teams not? I mean, look at him. He's just shredding this defense. It's a third quarter, and you're playing against guys that are literally crawling over each other just to try and make a roster, which means they're playing hard, but it also means that there's a deficiency of talent because they're all world in talent. They're not crawling over people. Everybody gets an opportunity to play in the NFL is good. I get that. But then you have to look at it from a level perspective, right? 
some guys, they hit their ceiling playing high school football. That's going to be it for them. They're not going to get an opportunity to play in college. I, I, I don't know how many times this has happened where you're watching a high school team, your high school team, and you've got this stud out there. He's just, he's just a beast. He tears everybody up in high school. And you're just like, man, this guy's going to Ohio State. This guy's going to Oklahoma. This guy's going to Bama. This guy's going to Oregon. You know, all of it, whatever it is that your elite school of choice. And he ends up going to like some Division three school, and you're like, well, what's the deal? And it turns out what you were seeing was against high school guys, and that wasn't going to translate, and so he hadn't gotten offers from all the schools you thought he had. That, to me, I think is the first time when you really awaken to the fact that there are levels, and sometimes it's hard to see because you can't see the next level. You can't see the current guy at the next level. That doesn't happen. But in the NFL, there's no other levels. So then it's just against the threes, against the twos, against the ones. And then you have to, again, when the three looks good, well, he's against the threes. I'd love to see him against the twos because he does look pretty good against the threes. But I don't want to overreact and imagine that he's going to do this against the ones. Uh, People are talking. And when we come back, one guy that has said a couple of things that have just kind of led me to the eye roll emoji, Urban Meyer. And his comments on QB1 in Jacksonville raise my ire and do make me wonder if there's an ulterior motive behind the quarterback competition between Trevor Lawrence and Gardner Minshew. We'll discuss that when we come back. I'm Jason Martin, and this is Fox Sports Radio. Look at you, Chris, going deep in the Space Hog catalog. I like this one. I, I like this whole album, but yes, I do too. I think this is my favorite. Well, in the meantime, has a great beat, but "Cruel to Be Kind" is an excellent I feel song, like especially I've live. In the meantime, a lot. Well, yeah, been, you have. Like, well, I, when I've been filling in around here the past week, so it's a it's look. It's just got a good beat. It's a good rejoin song. Yeah. It really is. But good stuff from you. It is the Jason Martin Show here on Fox Sports Radio. About done with this first hour, but that means we still got three to go. I want to talk a lot about Deshaun Watson on this show and the Houston Texans. We'll get into that. We'll get into the Field of Dreams game because I like to talk about good things. We'll shop at J-Mart later on in this show. But let's talk about Urban Meyer now because, sure, I said I like nice things, but I also want to talk about Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer said, I guess this would have been Thursday. That it's an open competition. He doesn't know the starting quarterback is going to be week one for the Jacksonville Jaguars between Gardner Minshew and Trevor Lawrence. And when I saw that, I immediately thought, yep, I am positive. I, I totally believe that he said that. Now, I don't think he believes that, but I definitely think he said it. First off, that's the most coach thing of all time. You got to compete for every job. Patrick Mahomes is not the starter. He's got to earn it every year. I mean, that's not what Andy Reid says, but that's the kind of, that's that like old style coach. Like I imagine Tom Coughlin's telling Mark Brunel, even during his prime, Mark, you better show up and show out, son, or you will be benched. The old mentality. So I get it from that perspective. But maybe Urban's a little smarter than we think here. Like we know Trevor Lawrence is going to be the starter. Unless... Everybody in the world has made the biggest mistake ever. And by everyone in the world, I mean all the decision makers, all the people that watched him, all the scouts, everything else. And I don't think we got that wrong. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be an outstanding NFL quarterback. 
But why else would you say this if you're Urban Meyer other than to light a fire? I think it is maybe, and maybe this is me giving him too much credit because this is a guy that Tim Tebow is competing for a job on his team right now at tight end after not playing football for like 2,000 days or more. But Minshew is a guy that's making, I think, $850,000. And I look at him and I say he's Ryan Fitzpatrick 2.0. He's a guy that I think could be a journeyman, but he could actually win some games for many teams in the NFL. And I'm not saying he needs to be a backup. I'm saying he could be a starter for a time. I don't think he's ever going to be a a long-term starter or one that where he's going to feel good about his opportunity to be a starter in the same place for five years or something like that. But Fitzpatrick's had a hell of a career. I mean, he's been in the league now for a long time. He's had a lot of stops, but he's had success. That Fitzmagic thing's real. I think if you say, you know, it's an open competition and you try to build up Minshew a little bit for the next few weeks, maybe you think you can get more value out of him. That's me trying to give Urban Meyer all the benefit of the doubt that he probably doesn't deserve at this point because he's doing so much. I'm bringing college to the NFL. We're going to work now. Like it's the Junction Boys and he's Tom Berenger. That's the only other thing I can think of because past that, this is all the eye roll emojis that one can conjure up in 280 characters on social media because Trevor Lawrence is going to start week one. When we come back to Deshaun Watts saga, why in the world has he not been sent home? Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hey, it's Ben, host of the Fifth Hour with Ben Maller, along with my trusty sidekick, David Gascon. Would mean a lot to have you join us on our weekly auditory journey. You're asking, what in God's name is the Fifth Hour? I'll tell you, it's a spinoff of the Ben Maller Show, a cult hit overnights on FSR. Why should you listen? Picture, if you will, a world where we chat with captains of industry in media, sports, and more every week. Explore some amazing facts about human nature and more. Listen to The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. L-A-S-I-K-LASIK.com Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start.
L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hour number two of the program. Welcome back in. My name is Jason Martin. This is Fox Sports Radio. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, in the Fox Sports Radio studios. The crew, Nick Battaglia, Chris Perfett, Kevin Figures, there in Los Angeles, spinning the Dallas radio style for me, doing a fantastic job, as always. I'm on Twitter, at jmartradio. Three more hours to go of our four-hour extravaganza here this morning. The Deshaun Watson thing's getting... What's well, getting interesting, it's getting kind of sad... And I have so much. There, I have so many different things that I kind of think I want to say about it. I hope I can remember any of them. Because sometimes when you have so many thoughts running through your heads, it's hard to actually just kind of break that thing down into one, where you can say this and then say this and say this, because you want to say all of it at once. So I guess I want to take it from the football perspective first, even though that's not the priority that we should be looking at it in. If you're the Houston Texans. Send him home. If he's listed as fourth on the depth chart, yet David Culley's saying all this weird stuff, you've got him now. Look, Deshaun Watson finally talked to the media. He was walking up and he was just like, why you always got cameras in my face? It's always the same bleep. Deshaun Watson is stressed. He's under a ton of... I don't even know what's running through his mind. You think about the last offseason when he's getting paid and Dabo's showing up in the Zoom chat and he's crying and he's the face of that franchise and he's known to be one of the classiest athletes. And you Think about what a difference a year makes. A year ago, he's opening up the NFL season standing next to Patrick Mahomes on the field. And now we're wondering if he's ever going to step on a field again. He doesn't want to play for the team that has committed to him where he said he's committed to them for the same reasons. He wants to trade. He wants out. Then here come all of these allegations. Now 22 women. And again, I got to look at the Texans and just say, what are you doing? Send him to the house. What are you accomplishing here? Who is benefiting from this? You're not as an organization. He's not at all. The media's not, I don't think either, because they're not getting anything out of this. 
He's not on the commissioner's exempt list. I get that. And maybe for his own good, he should be at this point. But this whole thing's just getting more and more sordid. The Texans look so badly run. I said before the pandemic, right around the time Hopkins was traded, I came on these very same airwaves and said that the Houston Texans, with all due respect to some of the worst organizations in American team sports, were the worst run organization across all sports in America. And people would fire back like, what about the Knicks? And all of a sudden, like, look, maybe Knicks over a longer amount of time, but right now the Texans are worse. Giving Bill O'Brien more control, the Hopkins deal, what they sent to Miami, like all of this garbage. Even letting Watt roll out the way they let Watt roll out. You could be critical of that. But at least they had Deshaun, and then they lost Deshaun. And I'm not talking about from what happened outside the confines of their facility in terms of his personal life. I'm saying they lost Deshaun. He wanted out. He had his surrogate saying everything necessary to try and get them out. But I don't know why he's there. If he's not going to play for you, what are you what are you accomplishing? Another person people that are, that aren't benefiting are teammates. I don't know how you what you do around Deshaun Watson right now. And if you're Tyrod Taylor or if you're one of the rookies or if you're another quarterback on that team, what in the world's going on? It's like you're in again like similar to the Aaron Rodgers situation, there's a holding pattern here. Deshaun Watson doesn't want to be there. Said he's not going to play for you. He's in the midst of what could be a career-ending scandal. If it doesn't go his way in court, now you've got this grand jury that is looking to see whether or not to proceed. And you've got this Jenny Ventis article at Sports Illustrated that drops on Friday morning with two of the possible victims here, because we don't know the truth of the story, but two of those that are that filed complaints that are basically taking the NFL to task and saying, you know, when we sat down with them, they were adversarial towards us in a way that made us uncomfortable. None of this is good. But I don't understand in what universe him being a part of your training camp right now is a good thing. The only reason he's there is so he's not getting fined. He's there because he technically has to be there, or he's forfeiting money. But he's already sat down with David Culley and said, I have no intention of playing for you. David Culley was hired basically just to be, not even to be a fall guy, just to be a nobody. He was just hired to continue the plane crash. It's literally as if the pilot and the co-pilot both passed out. And the plane was already going down. There was no radio communication. So there was nobody to help you land. And then the stewardess just walks back into the cabin. It's just like, anybody got flying experience? No, but I used to work for the post office. You, sir, fly this plane. 
and then all you do is continue the descent that's going to end tragically. No one thinks David Culley's going to succeed, including his bosses. The people that hired him hired him because they don't care if he succeeds right now. They're in bottom-out mode. But they still want a king's ransom for Deshaun Watson, and they may have misplayed this thing again. I mean, they'd already misplayed it at least once, maybe twice over the last two years. Once where they could have actually potentially gotten something for Deshaun Watson had they handled this thing right. But they were just going to wait it out and try to use their leverage. But this wasn't the Aaron Rodgers thing. Like, Deshaun Watson, they traded away everybody that he liked. And he realized they weren't going to win there. They made mistake after mistake after mistake and then didn't involve him in personnel decisions. So he was just, he was disgruntled of disgruntled, to go to the post office analogy. And then comes the personal issue. And since the personal issues come up, now he's an asset that might not have all that much value because if somebody's trading for him, what are they giving you that you don't then have to give back if he's not available to play because he has to go to jail or who knows what else, what the discipline from the league might be. Now, we don't know how these cases are going to play out. We don't know what's true and what's false. I get that. And I'm not going to be the judge in the court of public opinion that's going to sit here and and tell you 100% what happened and what didn't happen. What I've read seems very detailed from some of these women, and it's hard to read, much less to think actually may have happened. But I don't know. I've never spoken to them myself. I wasn't in the room. So you're never going to be 100% sure. And there's no reason to even talk about that side of it. There's a reason to listen to what's being said. And then to just kind of wait and let the justice system do what the justice system does. But Deshaun Watson is a guy that a year ago was one of the faces, the young faces of the NFL. He was one of the guys that had done everything right, we thought. And this is a guy that you drove, if you're the Texans, to a place where he was willing to step out and become the pampered athlete or the spoiled athlete in the eyes of the fans that always side with the team over the player. And I don't think all of us were doing that. Matter of fact, I think that Watson had a lot of us on his side. And then you add the extra complication in, and that may change your calculations a little bit, or maybe a lot. But they're two separate issues. What he was doing on the football field and how he was being treated by the Texans are different than whatever might have been happening in his personal life. But he's stressed out, and you've got the media coming up to him. Every time you see him, there's just cameras on him walking. And he finally kind of snapped. And I've never really seen Deshaun Watson snap before. And and I immediately just thought, Texans, you wrought this. You brought this on yourself. And you brought this on him. What is being gained here? And then like five minutes into that same practice, he went down and had to be checked out. Which led some to say, oh, okay, well, that's their way to get him away from the media. And then... The Texans want to move into, quote, regular season mode, which then limits media availability and media being available to even be there at practice anymore. And the NFL just steps in and says, yeah, no, you can't do that. 
There are bylaws and there are rules and media rules and all this kind of stuff. And the team can't just unilaterally make a decision. Yeah, you know what? Camp is over. We're in regular season mode now. So media, you're SOL. Like that, that's not how that's going to work. It's just the latest example of what a mismanaged farce of a billion-dollar organization this is. I mean, you want to you wanna put them up with some of the just dumbest companies in the world. And maybe the worst decision that I've seen made yet is Deshaun Watson being there at all right now. If he's not going to play for you, then the distraction that he's causing... Look, we've talked a lot on this program so far about risk-reward. What's the reward for Deshaun Watson being at camp right now? Like, what is it? And who, who, who is benefiting from it? Who is getting any kind of a reward from him being there? The player's not. His teammates are not. Cully's not. Ownership's not. Media's not. And the potential victims in this case, who in the Vrentis article that I referenced earlier from Sports Illustrated said, it's really hard to see him in front of our faces on TV every day, back and not on the commissioner's exempt list, and now he's at camp and everybody's talking about it, and now they're talking about potentially trading for him and all. They're having to relive, again, if it's true, they're having to relive this monster, somebody that affected them psychologically deeply with things that happen behind closed doors in massage sessions. They're having to relive that constantly so you're certainly not helping them out you're helping no one out you're harming multiple parties including the main character deshaun watson's not coming across looking good here he's looking worse he's snapping that's that's not a thing we've seen deshaun watson ever do that's not a thing he does if he's not in front of a camera all the time does he need to be around your facility while this is going on I understand the way the commissioner's exempt list works. Maybe you need to find a way. Like at some point, you just have to get the guy out of the public eye. Get him in a spot where he can work through the challenges in his life, work through the legal challenges in his life as well. Get those things to a conclusion at least. And then we can we can revisit this. I mean, is he do you really think he's playing week one? If he's not, then why does he need to be there? This isn't a contract thing. I mean, I get that that's part of it because he wants out. But I don't think him being at camp is making him more valuable to the Denver Broncos or the Philadelphia Eagles or any of the other teams that have been speculated as potentially interested, Miami or whoever. What is being gained here? I would say nothing. And what is being lost is a hell of a lot. This is just dumb. It's really that simple. And I hope that they figure this out. I mean, there's nothing positive about this story. I know this has been a downer of a segment. There's nothing positive here. Where's the positivity coming from? The quarterback that's snapping? The one that's got 22 different women filing complaints against him, the one that's got a grand jury coming after him, the team that's going to potentially go 0-17, the 
the coach that no one knew who was two and a half months ago? Like, um, seriously. Find me the silver lining in this cloud as it stands today with the information that we have and in the condition of the proceedings. I don't know where it is. I also don't know how to segue from it, but we're going to try. After the break, I want to talk about hard knocks. I want to tell you of a conversation I had a few years ago, if you're new to me and haven't really listened to me before, that kind of takes you behind the scenes of hard knocks from someone that I know that participated in both hard knocks and all or nothing that might give you a little bit of a new perspective on would you want your team to do that show and how intrusive it really is. Of course, the premiere of Hard Knocks a few days ago with the Dallas Cowboys. So, how much control do the teams have over what you see weekly on HBO? We'll talk about that next. I'm Jason Martin, and this is Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back. This candle box, Chris? It is, yep. It's rain. See, I haven't really listened to any of their albums. I only heard their singles, but I, I like this. I'm not yeah, sure I've ever heard this song. That their their big album with um oh, You and Far Behind. Far Behind, yeah. This is off that that album. I forget the name of it, but it's a good one. I enjoy it. Huh. Might have to check it out. Welcome back. I'm Jason Martin. This is the Jason Martin Show here on Fox Sports Radio. We're with you until 6 a.m. Eastern Time. Rolling in here in the second hour. I want to talk to you a little bit about Hard Knocks. And there's a possibility you've heard me talk about this before, but it's, it's been at least a couple of years probably. But I got a friend in the industry that you know has coached in the league for decades. He now works with Titans Radio. Uh, Dave McGinnis is his name. You probably know him, actually. If you're a football guy, you're familiar with his work, at least. And so he was with the Rams, with Jeff Fisher, so he did Hard Knocks. He also did All or Nothing, which was the show that Amazon ran as well. So he's done both of them. And I had a conversation with him a few years ago, which is still one of the more illuminating conversations that I've had in my career, just because I I had no idea. And there there was no frame of reference for me. I can watch a football game... And feel like I know what's going on, even though, yeah, if I didn't play in the league, I still would like to get a player's perspective and all of this, but I can observe it. But Hard Knocks, I don't know. All I know is it's a television product. So I talked to, to Dave about this, and I asked him what the experience was like, because I assumed it's super intrusive, and you would never want to do it, and all of these things. And he basically said, no, that's that's not the case. And so if you're watching Hard Knocks with the Dallas Cowboys, I want you to think about it from this perspective going forward, from somebody that was there. And what he told me, in effect, was, if anything, it's a propaganda piece in favor of the team that's being covered and of the league writ large. It is an advertisement for the league. The league is behind the series. They don't have any interest in making one of their assets look bad in front of a large audience. So it's not a gotcha show. 
it's not the interview that you end up sitting down and it turns into trying to get somebody to admit something on camera. It's not trying to embarrass people. None of that is the case. It's designed to paint whatever team, whatever franchise that you're seeing in as positive a light as possible. So I said, so, you know, how many people are around and you know, how many cameras and how obtrusive is all of this kind of stuff? And he says, really not very much. I mean, there's cameras mounted in a lot of the rooms, but their people are incredibly accommodating. Uh, they're not really in the way. They're really good at their jobs. And then comes, I think, the most interesting thing. And that is Final Cut. The NFL, the NFL Films crew that does Hard Knocks can't just use whatever they want. The team gets to see every bit of footage and give it the green light or the, nope, that's not running. And if you're in a room with a camera and you want to have a conversation that you don't even want recorded, you can look up to where that corner is and raise a hand and they will turn that camera off and point it down so that you know it's not filming, you have complete control. The teams are the directors, in effect. Now, yeah, you get the moments of guys being cut, and you do get some crazy stuff, but it's all stuff that's been approved by the team, unless something has changed, and I don't think it has. Because, again... As he pointed this out, I had never really thought about it before because at times it does. You're just like, well, well, that's that's gosh, that's not that's not a great look for this player or whatever like that. But I mean, it is a docu series, so you're going to see some real kinds of things. But how many times have you watched Hard Knocks and come away thinking that that team was going to be better than they then turned out to be when you got to the season? That should tell you all you need to know about what you're seeing and how it is being portrayed to you. I mean, that was the name of Mick Foley's first book or second book, Wrestling is Fake, or Wrestling is Real, and the real world and everything else in the world is fake, basically, or how you started to believe that. I mean, reality television... Is not something that I'm ever going to care very much about. But Hard Knocks is something that feels more real to me now after hearing this conversation and knowing, okay, the team has carte blanche, the team sees everything that we don't see and then can just kind of ixnay whatever they want. They can show you whatever they want to show you. And the NFL, the, the, the cameras and the directors and all the people associated with the series, they want it to be compelling, but they do not want it to be humiliating. They do not want it to be a detriment. They are advertising one of their products. I never had thought about it that way before. And I said, well, so he said it was a positive experience. And I said, well, how many coaches, how many GMs, how many franchises have contacted you guys since you did this and asked, hey, should we do it? And he said, yeah, there have been some. And obviously there's going to be pros and cons behind all of this. But he said, look, there was not really a con here. Like there was no real reason not to do it. We got along with them great. They were total professionals. They were not in our way. I feel like as we're watching Hard Knocks, we feel like, because every time it's like, would you want your team to do Hard Knocks? 
I still don't know if my answer would be yes, I, I, because I can be cynical. But after hearing that conversation, it's just like, right, of course. Like, why would NFL Films want this year Dallas or the Rams or the Miami Dolphins or the Jets or the Ravens or any of the teams that have done this before? Why would they want those teams to look bad? Like, what, what advantage is that for the NFL to make one of their franchises, I don't know, look like we know the Houston Texans actually are right now? There's no good that comes from that. So, yeah, it's a propaganda piece in favor of that team that then reflects well on the league. So that's what you're actually seeing. You're seeing an advertisement. You're seeing a travel brochure. Hey, travel to our league. Have you ever thought about hard knocks that way? Or have you always thought, man, I would never want them to do it. Look what they're catching on camera. They're catching stuff that the team approved. Because the team can literally just say no to anything. There's no creative license for HBO or those associated with hard knocks with NFL films. They can't just do what they want. They can't just air what they want. The team can strike it all if they want to. And anything they don't want recorded, they just say, you can't record this. It's not like cameras are on 24-7 and it's Big Brother. And you're like, hey, please don't run that. And then you immediately run it. Like that, that's not how it works. To me, that made the series... It didn't make it less real. It actually made it feel more authentic because I understood the perspective. But it did. It does. It does tell you, okay, this is going to be interesting. But you're not going to see a whole lot of things that aren't flattering here. The other thing I asked Dave McGinnis in his experience with Hard Knocks was, were there guys that you just knew were trying to make themselves stars by playing up to the camera? And, of course, he acknowledged that. And without naming names, he it was just it kind of effectually, look, there are guys that were trying to become relevant that weren't going to get it done on the field that would seek out those cameras. And, there, and we would all know who those people were. And we would not be surprised when we saw it happen. And who knows what that was going to mean for their future. And then there were some that were looking at their career post-football that could play, but did want to create a little bit of brand recognition when they had the opportunity to have a wider audience looking at their personality rather than just what they were able to do for 60 minutes on a Sunday afternoon in the fall on television on a football field. And I can understand that as well. When you get the opportunity to show personality and you're an entertainer for a living, and that's what athletes are, then why wouldn't you do it? I mean, it's working out for Michael Strahan. It's working out for Nate Burleson. It's working out for a lot of guys who have post-careers in media because they created something of worth of themselves in terms of, okay, this guy's compelling. This guy's interesting. This guy has something to say. This guy's entertaining. I want to hire this guy to speak, not just to block or to tackle, or to throw, or to run, or to catch. And there's value to that. So there's a push-pull. There's the guys that aren't going to really ever do much in the league that are trying to create 
some kind of interest in them, give themselves an extra couple of minutes of fame, if nothing else. And then there's the guys that are good that also use this as another opportunity as a brand extension opportunity. So as you watch Hard Knocks the rest of the season, watch it through that lens. You're watching NFL propaganda. You're not watching a gotcha. This is not Dateline NBC. This is not Dateline NFL. This is come travel to the wonderful island of Dallas Cowboys. It's a travel brochure presented by the NFL where the team being profiled has full creative control over what you're viewing on a weekly basis. Let's head out to L.A., find out the latest in the world of sports, including NFL preseason, with Kevin Figures. What's going on, K-Fig? All right, Jason, three preseason games on Friday night in the NFL. Jared Goff made his Lions debut, completing seven of nine pass attempts for 56 yards. Was in a couple of series, led them to a field goal. Buffalo did come away with a victory, 16-15. to Arizona made a field goal as time expired, as they defeated Dallas, 19-16. to And the Titans, as you mentioned, all over Atlanta, 23-3. In Baseball, Seattle beat Toronto for their fourth win in their last five games. The Giants signed Brandon Crawford to a two-year contract extension on Friday and then defeated the Rockies 5-4. Arizona walked off the Padres, who have lost three in a row. Houston has won three in a row after defeating the Angels 4-1. Nolan Arenado a home run as the Cardinals shut out the Royals. Texas snapped Oakland's seven-game win streak. The Dodgers blew a 4-0 lead but ended up beating the Mets 6-5 in extra innings. Wins for Boston, Tampa Bay, and Cincinnati. An MRI on Orlando Magic guard Jalen Suggs showed that he has a severe thumb sprain. He will be held out of the rest of summer league as a precaution, but is expected to be a full goal for training camp in late September. Back to Jason Martin. K-Fig, have you ever watched preseason and like been fooled by somebody you thought was going to be great and then they never panned out? Um, not, not from like a young prospect. I will say this. I remember some years ago, right before MJD retired uh, and going to the NFL Network, he signed with Jack Del Rio and the Raiders. He had a huge run against the Green Bay Packers in a preseason game, and people were saying, oh, Jacksonville cut bait too early. This guy has something left. He did not have much left, <laughs> so to say the least. Uh, didn't perform extremely well in the regular season. They, he played out the year. They didn't cut him loose or anything, but was not nearly as productive, productive as they thought he might have been when they first signed him. Well, MJD also said on Thursday night in the NFL Network that Jalen Hurts is basically Russell Wilson based off of one half that he watched in a preseason game of the Eagles against the Steelers. So, uh, MJD getting a lot of run this morning on the Jason Martin Show. Welcome back in, by the way. For endless hot water, I want you to choose Navian. Get all the hot water you need for as long as you need it right now. Save hundreds on a new Navian tankless water heater with local rebates. Visit tanklessmadesimple.com tanklessmadesimple.com I do think that the hard knocks discussion is is worthy because a lot of people do watch it. I don't know if people are watching it to the degree, to the degree that maybe they did in its initial years, but I think the Cowboys probably automatically draws more people in for better or worse. But I think if you watch it with the recognition you're not watching a gotcha show. You're watching one that's going to have drama. It's not really going to be manufactured drama unless like a player tries to create some kind of a moment for himself. But generally speaking, it's the closest thing that you're going to get, but the team has control over it. So whatever they want you, whatever version of them they want you to see, that's what you're seeing. And the NFL is not in the business of making one of their products 
look like something you wouldn't want to buy if it's in store. Now, once you get to the season, those products sometimes make themselves unbuyable because they don't win games, they don't have superstars, they're badly run, all of that kind of thing. But in terms of hard knocks, the key is in taking some organization, putting a little bit of an extra spotlight on them, but not a negative light. A spotlight. And sometimes that can be negative just because the team isn't equipped to know how to use it the right way. Or they're a team that really needs to be behind the scenes because they have that much to work on. Like I I still, again, I would be like what I want my Broncos to do hard knocks. I mean, I'd love to see it. Do I think that it benefits teams that do it? No. I think it's a, but I don't anymore think it's a giant negative. After talking to, to Dave McGinnis about it, who has gone through the experience twice, it makes me feel like it's it's probably not a necessarily a net positive or a net negative. It can be a net positive because you do tend to see the teams that do it in a more positive light for the most part. Yeah, you're going to get Antonio Brown with the Raiders, and we all watch that. But, I mean, A.B. made himself that that situation. And the Raiders, if you really watched it, they did a decent enough job of trying to focus on everything else, at least at that point in time. But I would say it's you just kind of break even if you're a team doing hard knocks. It might be an added distraction, but it's not super intrusive. And it's not dangerous because you can always just say, nah, you can't run that. Nah, because you, you get to feel it. You get to see it. You get to see that premiere. You get to see all that raw footage. And then you can say, oh, yeah, you can use that. Oh, yeah, you can use that. Yeah, you can get Leah Schreiber to go ahead and narrate over that. Yep, that one's good. Yeah, that one's good. Nope, that right there's got to get cut. And it won't air. And I'm not sure how many people know that or how many people knew that. But I think when you actually stop and hear it and then think about it, you're like, well, of course, yeah. I, I never thought about it from that perspective, but sure. Like, why wouldn't the team have control over it? And why wouldn't the NFL want the team to have control over it? Because the whole point is to make that team look good. Because if you make that team look good, then you think all the teams are being run pretty well and it's good for the league as a whole. You want each asset to be worth as much as possible and to be as sought after as possible. Every concert, every concert promoter wants to set the stage for that show to be sold out. Every one of them. You're not going to sell them out if you're not in control and you're having to deal with... I mean, imagine this. Like, obviously, you have critics that review albums. And look, I review movies and television and get paid to do it and have for a long time. But if I worked for Universal and I was reviewing a Universal film and I buried that Universal film, what would be the benefit to me? Like, why would I do that? Universal wouldn't like it. It wouldn't benefit them. It wouldn't benefit that project. It it wouldn't help us sell tickets. It wouldn't be good for my relationship with that director, that producer, those actors, uh, certainly not the production company. All of that kind of thing. Like, there's no there's no net plus there at all. And then you look at it from the NFL's perspective, and you realize, yeah, yeah, NFL wants 
the Cowboys to look good this year. They want everybody to look good. They want it to be compelling, so it can't just be boring. So you got to find some flavor, and you got to find a couple of guys that you seek out, and you fill out a questionnaire before the thing. Uh, if you're one of the coaches and one of the teams about to do it, and they're like, hey, who are some cool personalities on the team? And you give them a list, and then they seek those guys out, and they see whether or not. But even then, you can still cut everything. So there's a lot There's a lot there. I mentioned Nate Burleson. I want to talk a little bit more about Nate when we come back out of this break. Nate Burleson, who's leaving Good Morning Football for a pretty big opportunity. I don't know the condition of the opportunity he's stepping into, but I do know what a star Nate Burleson can be and already is. And I do want to chat about that to end the second hour. We'll do that next here on uh, Fox Sports Radio. Finishing up the second hour, almost halfway through this four-hour sojourn here on the Jason Martin Show on Fox Sports Radio. Glad to have you with us. I'm on Twitter at jmartradio. That's where you can find us. 877-99 on Fox if you'd like to join the program to talk about literally whatever you want, I'd be good with. 877-996-6369. Nate Burleson's leaving Good Morning Football on the NFL Network for CBS this morning. Following kind of a Michael Strahan pathway to where he went to Good Morning America, Burleson had said a couple of years ago he loves Good Morning Football, but he saw that as being about a three-year deal, and he felt like he'd be moving on. And I think he might be ahead of schedule. I don't know what he's walking into, because we are in a different landscape now where these morning talk shows aren't what they used to be. Not even close. Today just posted some of the worst ratings, or actually posted the worst ratings it's ever done. Uh, I don't know who is, like, I don't know how many things are being said and done on Good Morning America or um, Ryan and Kelly and all of those kinds of shows. And then you've got CBS This Morning, you got Gail King, who's kind of a, a real news person, and Nora O'Donnell, who's now on the desk at night, who used to be there in the mornings. And, and now you're going to have Nate Burleson. And I think Burleson's going to be great because I think Burleson's very entertaining and I think he's very versatile. I liked him when I heard him call on a couple of games for NFL Network years ago before there was a Good Morning Football. And then Good Morning Football is a show that if it wasn't on at the same time as my daily radio show, I would probably watch it because uh, I've interacted with Schrager through the years, um, through my time here at Fox, and... I find Kyle Brandt to be entertaining. I think Kay Adams is really good at what she does. And she's obviously branched out as well. She's hosting Entertainment Tonight or Access Hollywood or one of those shows. And that, and then you've got Burleson. And I think the the real tipping point for Nate Burleson, not just him being really good and being able to talk in a variety of different ways on that show and for them to be able to take it into different directions... I think it was that Nickelodeon performance where a lot of people realized how good Nate Burleson could be because Nate Burleson did not turn that into a joke, but he made it a party. He understood how to relate to an audience that he really had no business understanding how to relate to. It wasn't his demographic. It's not anybody he ever had to play to before outside of maybe being a father or something like that. And it's a bunch of kids that uh, the people on Nickelodeon that were watching, I mean, they, that's an audience that just wanted to watch Nicktoons or, 
you know, one of the regular shows that's on there, Avatar or whatever it is. And instead they're watching this football game, but there's a guy there that's that's making it make sense. I watched that and I said, okay, this dude's a megastar. Like I already really liked him and then that performance really impressed me because I don't know how many people in the industry could have stepped into that role and either not come across smug like they were too good for it or overdo it. Somehow he found the balance of childlike enthusiasm without it being campy, cheesy, and stupid. And when you saw him do that, you said, okay, all right, this guy's too big for just talking about football. And so now he gets to go and create on a brand new canvas. And I think there's something very appetizing about that for somebody that is more versatile and more talented. So I think Burleson's going to be really good. I don't know what it means because I don't know how many people are watching CBS this morning. I don't know if he's going to bring people to the show. So my only caveat with this, well, first off, congrats to him. He deserves it. He deserves everything he's getting right now. I think he's one of the most talented people in the industry. But it's maybe a job that we don't know that's coming out of this. Maybe not this job that we really need to be paying attention to. Something we all paid attention to. Nearly 6 million people watched the Field of Dreams game. We'll talk about that to open Hour 3 next. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. What's happening? Hour number three, Jason Martin Show. I'm Jason Martin. This is Fox Sports Radio. On Twitter at JMart Radio. That's where you can find us. Nick Battaglia, Chris Perfett, Kevin Figures. Complete the trifecta. They're spinning the dials for me, radio style out in Los Angeles. We're halfway home, means we got two hours to go. Baseball got it right a couple of days ago. The Field of Dreams game, from a viewing standpoint, was just an awesome visual experience. But again, and I don't know who to say... I I can't remember who actually said this first, like who coined this quote, but nostalgia is history with the pain removed. Here it was nostalgia that it was nostalgia from a film. It wasn't necessarily pain associated with Field of Dreams. But what we knew it for was the same reason that Kevin Costner was featured, you know, doing the narration and going and visiting the cornfield and all of these kinds of things. It all just kind of fit. It it all just sort of made sense for this made for television kind of experience. And it was less about the game itself, even though great ending, perfect for a movie, in fact, with Tim Anderson hitting the homer to win it 9-8. The uniforms were awesome, especially the the White Sox. I think they should go back to that logo immediately and just start wearing those all the time. It is... baseball, Baseball trying to get a little creative trying to pull back a feeling of the past time. They've done a lot wrong, but they've gotten a few things right. They did pretty well when they came back last year, first out of the pandemic. And they had that kind of wild round-robin deal towards the playoffs that was super interesting, super entertaining. And they had a good World Series. And they come back this year... And there's the usual little things that are going wrong, and the game's a little dull because there's no hitters seemingly every night, and guys are like, can we just start juicing the baseballs again to make this interesting? But the Field of Dreams game's a slam dunk, and almost 6 million people watched it. I think it's the most watched regular season baseball game in, I think, 16 years or something like that. And deservedly so. Now, here's the conundrum. Now, they're going to do it again. And while I do think it will do well again, it won't do this well again. You can only pull this one off once. Because it's the moment happening again that doesn't necessarily have the same effect as it keeps getting repeated. That first donut always tastes really good. The mistake, and that is if you like donuts, the mistake is when you think, I'm going to get another one. 
The second one's never as good as the first. And if you get to the third, you've really made an error. I'm not saying you're making a mistake if your baseball coming back. I'm just saying there's going to be a law of diminishing returns to this thing. Because you can only do it again once. Right? And I mean do it again from the movie. Like, you can only recreate this thing one time and it be the first. And it's the fact that it was the first and the novelty of it that made it so easy for us to embrace and watch. It was timed well. It was against preseason. A couple of preseason games at that. You put all the muscle behind it that you could. You put the Yankees in it, of course. You give us Joe Buck. You give us all of the kind of pageantry on the way in. ESPN's got all sorts of content about it. You set it up. You advertise it fairly well. In effect, you built it, and they came. But you can only do that once, right? Like, I'm trying to think what I would compare this to because it's it's because it's based off it's based off what we've seen on the big screen. So it's not even the Winter Classic. Like the Winter Classic, when that was first done, that was one of the coolest things we'd ever seen. Hockey being played outside, like we were actually in Canada, reading Wayne Gretzky's biography where he was on the pond in his backyard and all that kind of stuff in his neighborhood. That was so awesome to look at. And I still enjoy watching that every year, or at least tuning in from time to time. I love the look of it. And I think that that's mainly... It was still just a baseball game a couple nights ago, guys. It was everything around it. It was just a really nice... It was really nice packaging. But inside, it was still the same. Like, it was still a baseball game. If you like baseball... There's no reason you weren't going to like that. In fact, you were going to like it more, potentially, because it was baseball with this added sheen. There's a a story that in pro wrestling, WCW for a long time was just nuts and bolting it down in Atlanta when they were doing TV. Like, the building was just a dump. So Eric Bischoff comes in as the executive producer, and they land Hulk Hogan. Then all of a sudden, they've got purple curtains covering up the dingy areas before they move to MGM Studios. So Hogan doesn't even know. Like, he's walking into something that looks new, but it's it's really just a new coat of paint on the same dump that they have been running TV out of for years. But you can do a lot with a curtain. You can do a lot with a little bit of food that looks like that you're catered. You can do a lot with a new sheen. You can make something look good if the packaging is attractive. Like, I would admit there's probably a movie or two that I've seen, an album or two that I've bought, a game or two that I've bought based on covers, based on a poster. And they didn't live up to the poster. The best part of that movie was the poster. best part of that game was the the artwork. The best part of that album was what I saw on the front of it before I bought the CD. Unfortunately, the music wasn't all that good. And I'm not suggesting this was a bad album or that baseball's a bad album. Compared to football at this point in America, it is. But those that like baseball, you just took baseball and you added a little bit to it. But you can only pull it off once. 
You can only release that album once. Then you have to follow it up. You can only put out that top single once. What else is on that album? Or what's coming on that sophomore record? That kind of becomes the issue, is how many times are you going to go back to this well? This thing was an A+. Plus. It was perfect. Exactly what you want. Even, even coming down to the 9-8 finish. Perfect. Couldn't have scripted it better. Everything about it landed. Sometimes you're just on. And then some audiences you just don't understand. Like you're a stand-up comedian and you're in Cleveland, Ohio and every joke is landing and then you go to Cincinnati and like 30% of them feel like they worked. This thing was being in Cleveland. It definitely was not being in Cincinnati in terms of the analogy that I just had. It was pitch perfect. It looked the part. It reflected baseball in its purest sense, and it kind of took us all back to the wonderment of The Natural and Field of Dreams and Eight Men Out and all of those movies that we watched when we were growing up. We didn't need to think about the scandals. We didn't need to think about anything. We just need to think about, and we could all relate, right? Like, had I ever played baseball in a cornfield? No, but have I played in a park? Have I played in a kind of desolate area? Have I played on flat land? Have I played right outside of a forest in some cases? Yeah, I have. We all have. I mean, this thing looked beautiful. It was picturesque. Every time they would show the deal where it's just kind of the wavy grass outside of the outfield fence, it's just like, man, this is... I often think that some of the most beautiful television that you can find is like HD. And this I used to say, this is how you prove how good your TV is. Now they're all this good. But look at the blades of grass moving in a major championship, particularly Augusta. You watch the Masters on TV. It's like you're, it's like you're watching art. The golf, is just, the golf is just icing on that cake. Just sitting there and watching that. It's so inviting. I felt that way about this. There was a softness to it. It was like a perfect easy chair. You could just kind of sink into it and enjoy it as an experience. The baseball game was the baseball game. What's the truth about minor league baseball now? Minor league baseball in a lot of towns is a great thing to go do because it doesn't cost a ton of money and you don't really have to pay attention to every ball and every strike because the wins and losses for insert minor league baseball team here don't really matter. What matters is maybe the right fielder is about to get a call up. Or just, you know, they're local and you go watch them. Yeah, you root them on, but you don't know what their win-loss record is. You're more likely to know a couple of the guys on the team what their average is because you, you go a lot, because you can afford to go a lot. I grew up in Martinsville, Virginia, a very small town. Known for NASCAR, really. And I remember when the Martinsville Phillies arrived. And that was a low, low-level minor league team. But I went a lot in those first couple of years. And had a blast. I couldn't tell you the name of a single player. And now I was a young kid, but I couldn't tell you. I just knew it was the Martinsville Phillies and it was the thing to do. That was the deal. Like, it didn't even matter. Like, 
whoever won the baseball game was almost irrelevant. The baseball being played was it was the same deal as you take the date and you go sit out in the grass beyond the outfield. You got a blanket down. You're having a conversation. You're getting to know her. And every once in a while, you look up and you catch part of the game. I went to the debut at Truist Park when the Braves opened up that park a few years ago. And I remember walking around during the game, looking at the Hank Aaron exhibit, looking at all of the things that they had in the concourses, the areas for the kids and all this, just to see it all. Baseball game was going on. Like, I would never do that in an NBA game. I would never do that in an NFL game. But baseball, it's just kind of like, baseball is just a thing that can happen where you can just kind of check back in with it. If it's not the World Series or if it's not something that you're watching on television specifically for that purpose, it's all just kind of part of a larger a larger tapestry. And if viewed as art, the way that I kind of set this up when we were talking about Augusta, that's why this landed so well. There was a softness to it. There was a accessibility to this. It felt like a simpler time. Yes, there was nostalgia involved if you had seen the film and knew the story and all of that. But just the the atmosphere of it, the way in which it was approached and the way in which it was executed kind of made us forget about a virus or things that are happening overseas or unrest in our own streets or whatever might have been going on in our own lives, just we just kind of were able to lose ourselves in that cornfield for a couple of hours. And I appreciate baseball for doing it. I do think there's a law of diminishing, diminishing returns. I do think eating the third donut is definitely going to be a lot less interesting to me than that first donut. But I'm sure glad that I walked into that shop and paid for that first donut. Because baseball got it right. They got it right in a big way. And people watched. Again, they built it. And we came. We'll be right back. I'm Jason Martin, and this is Fox Sports Radio. Good Saturday to you. Welcome back. Jason Martin Show here on Fox Sports Radio. I am Jason Martin. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm on Twitter at jmartradio. You can find me there. Drop me a line. We're going to shop at J-Mart here in a second. But one question that Nick Mitali asked, and he's going to be a large part of this segment as well, and I kind of want everybody to shop along with us here, meaning Chris and maybe even Kevin too. But um, Nick, you had mentioned as one thing we could potentially discuss what the Field of Dreams concept could look like if we did it in the NBA. Yeah, and so, I mean, I saw some ideas go around. Of course, you have people saying, well, maybe they could play a game at Rucker Park in New York City. Uh, you have people throwing around ideas that maybe we can do, you know, hey, Cameron Indoor Stadium's available. Maybe we can play, you know, the NBA, some NBA games in some college venues, some famous college venues. Um, I know, like, you know, you look at college basketball, for example. I know they have a couple games a year where they play on a battleship for the U.S. Navy, mm-hmm, which is really, really mm-hmm. cool. Uh, NFL has its London games. It, of course, goes over city, overseas with Mexico as well. So, yeah, the NBA, I think, needs something. And I think, you know, Rucker Park would be interesting. Interesting, but I don't know how that would work in terms of just capacity and stuff like that. Another idea I had was maybe, you know, hey, 
not to rub salt in the wounds, but what you know, the NBA doesn't have a team in Seattle. What if you mm. go to uh, you know, gauge interest, a good way to gauge interest, and say, hey, where can we maybe expand to next? Why not have some NBA games, maybe some cities that don't have an NBA team, like a Kansas City or a Las Vegas or a Seattle, and you can kind of go from there. Yeah, that's interesting. I was thinking about it when, when I saw that you had had mentioned that in one of our communications. I immediately thought, okay, well, if we're talking about Field of Dreams and pretty much equating that to the film, then why not do an NBA game based off of Hoosiers? I was going to say, weren't the Pacers wearing, I think it was a couple of years ago, they yes. wore those Hoosiers jerseys, yeah. Yeah, I think you play it in that field house. Like, I mean, I think you play it and you do it up that way. Like, you play that thing in high school that doesn't have much capacity. And you you pretty much, you almost, maybe you do it to where the attendance is people from the high school. Like, and that's the way it's set. Like, it's not a deal where you can go see this. It, it ha- It's the people that are local. And you do that. And maybe you can do that in different places. But I think that, I mean, what are the other great basketball movies of all time? Like, you can't pull off Space Jam because unless you're Elon Musk, you can't get off the planet. Unless you're Jeff Bezos... Richard Branson, you're not getting off the planet unless you're involved with NASA. Zach Levine uh, already pulled out the Toon Squad at a dunk contest. I think yep, you've got that. That's covered. right. That's right. Um, I mean, like, I mean, the great basketball movies. I'm a giant fan of Blue Chips, but there's no real Western University. It's built off UCLA. There's just nothing like the Kevin Costner no, baseball. Movies. There's not. That that's kind of the problem here. You can't go movies on everything. Like, and that's not just for for basketball too. Like. What's the best hockey movie? Goon? We can't really, I mean, not Goon, like Slapshot. Can't really do a movie on Slapshot, but you can get that magic just doing outside for hockey. For baseball, I think it is just, again, a lot of the romanticism was in those Kevin Costner movies. Yes, agreed. I do. Th- I think Hoosiers is probably the best, the best you can do if that's what you're trying to recreate. Um the NBA the, just doesn't sell yeah. itself on nostalgia like baseball does. It doesn't sell itself on this idea of a bucolic yesteryear in a in a Iowa f- cornfield. The NBA doesn't basketball doesn't sell itself like that. Maybe you get some of that with like the Kansas of the world, but at that point, the col- the the fan who likes Kansas basketball is probably not also a diehard NBA fan. They're Kansas fan. Yeah, I mean, can you do something with peach baskets and like go all the way back to Naismith or something like that? Uh, I mean, again, you know, like, you'd have to create a facility and you'd have to create it based off of something none of us have ever seen because it's not ever been in any kind of a pop culture deal. That would be the other thing is trying to create like the the very beginning of basketball somehow. Yeah, and I, I don't guess know if it, I just, it just doesn't feel like basketball either clings to its memory as as tightly as baseball does for for various reasons. I remember even when Indiana Pacers did those Hoosiers jerseys, I don't think they were received. They were received in very mixed ways. I mean, how would football do it? Is there anything football related that you could pull off? I mean, other than I mean, stuff that's unsafe like leather helmets or something like that? I they, they we kind of already get that every year with the game in Canton, right? Like yeah, it's just a matter hates. of you you go to a certain place, but yeah, you can't really 
do too much of a throwback. You get some throwback jerseys now and then, but there are still the 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 cathedrals for football are still there. They're always kind of there in plain sight. Like we get games at Notre Dame Stadium and we get games at Big House Lambeau and, Field. Maybe yeah. you could do one in the uh, I forget the name of the bowl where they play. You know, uh, Yale and yeah. The um, Harvard Yale game, yeah, yeah, like the original, like quote unquote bowl. Maybe you do some games in the Rose Bowl, but there's, I mean, the cathedrals are still there for. Maybe for you football. do it at like, maybe you do it at like Leavenworth and try to recreate the longest yard. That's a possibility. I mean, also you remember, like in college, they have the Pinstripe Bowl. They play at Yankee Stadium, so you yeah. know, baseball stadiums are not are are a possibility. Yeah, no, no, I don't. I hate football games and baseball stadiums, though. They're so bad. I think I don't. I, I can't. I couldn't stand the old like you can see the dirt. The whole like you can see the infield stuff used to drive. Yeah, we me could insane. do that with the rate every time the Raiders are playing in yes. Elko. That was hideous. Awful. Like, there's a reason why we demolished Three Rivers Stadium. I just think yeah. that the the biggest issue just comes down to money and how much money are teams willing to possibly lose if they play in a smaller venue, particularly like you said with the with Hoosiers and stuff like that in high school gyms. So I mean that's that's the biggest domino I think that has to fall is what are they willing to give up? Like I agree with the Rucker Park idea. I think it being outside would make it look different, and I think that's the point is you're trying to create something aesthetically different that is appealing on that level. I do think you're not selling a whole lot of tickets to that thing. Um, I don't know how you would recoup that. Maybe you make it pay-per-view, but then you'd lose audience because people I don't think would pay to see an NBA game, even if it looked cool outside. So I don't know. I think baseball was the perfect storm of having the field of dreams, having those nostalgic films, and being able to pull it off. I think and what they just, created was magical. Yeah, there's there's something about being able to... Because that 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 is the old style of baseball is having those baseball fields out there and just kind of the middle of nature that you don't have anymore. But football was always played in stadiums with with seatings on the sidelines. You, you basketball was always played in gyms, and you can you know maybe change it to a bit of a farmhouse. But people aren't exactly, ex- especially for basketball. And by the way, those those. Aircraft carrier games, I think Nick mentioned earlier, those turned out to be a, d- a disaster because condensation would keep forming. On yeah, the stuff happened. Like, I, yeah, that's that, right. They, yeah. they, they, I think that those became the battle for Atlantis. They just changed the venues to to the Bahamas, and that worked out a lot better. But there's just there's there's not. I, I feel like again, this is something unique to baseball and to a lesser degree hockey in that there is a pass to those sports on how they carried themselves both in their venue in their dress and in I, I don't want to say the nostalgia but you know what I mean there's this kind of sense that their sports play upon that of the yesteryear there was this different style of the game and baseball and again hockey can do that football and ba- basketball don't really have that kind that that's not a huge selling point is the nostalgia factor it just it's just not like you have those old cathedrals, but if you tell guys, hey, we're gonna put on leather helmets and go out to a mud field in Nebraska for like where two hundred people can sit on the sidelines, nobody's really gonna get into that. Yeah, it's it I do think you're right. I think that baseball and hockey are uniquely positioned to do this right. There's even like it almost feels like there's a haze. There was a haze over that field of dreams game, like you were watching something that was eighty years old. Like it was shot with some kind of vintage camera, 
or something. Even like the Probably way was that the filter on the cameras. yeah, there there <laughs> felt like the, I'm not. I wouldn't be the least bit surprised. Like the way those White Sox uniforms kind of gleamed a little bit to me. It was just like it's what it was supposed to look like. Like I couldn't have made that look more true to what it needed to be than the way that they actually pulled it off. And then hockey being outside, because most of us in the States have never gotten to really see that happen. But where do we really see ice? I mean, ice inside of arenas, there's something artificial about that. But ice is a natural phenomenon, generally. I mean, yeah, you can freeze water, but it's something that you, you know, we grew up waiting for snow days and all that kind of stuff. And when you see ice outside, I think there's kind of a, it almost takes you back to your childhood when that mattered to you a lot more than maybe it does as an adult. And it's just a cool aesthetic. It's just a completely different aesthetic that you just don't anticipate ever getting to see. So, yeah, I don't know what the... I I think that Rucker Park or trying to do the Hoosiers thing is about the closest thing you do, but I just don't know that the perfect answer is there because I think Chris is right. I don't know that the sport lends itself. Certainly it doesn't lend itself anywhere near what baseball does because it's just kind of built on different it's built on a different kind of foundation than baseball has been which is more of a timeless game and going back to 1919 and all the or 18 whatever Abner Doubleday and all this other kind of stuff like there's just there's a lot and we've all seen those cards and we've watched the Ken Burns documentaries and all of those kinds of things and it just kind of it all just fit it fit like a glove all right Nick um, let's shop at Jmart here. All right, so we're gonna start off in the NFL here, Jason, and of course the Jacksonville Jaguars defensive back and former ninth overall pick C.J. Henderson. He returned to practice this week after missing a scrimmage due to personal reasons. Uh, he also sat out ten days while on the team's COVID nineteen list. He missed several practices after being activated from the list, and he had a course offseason labrum surgery now there are rumors that henderson could be dealt and that he might actually want to walk away from football jason henderson is coming off a rookie season where he had 36 tackles and one interception are you buying him being traded and or walking away from football or are you keeping those scenarios on the shelf man there's some there's something going on there but he's a really talented potential He's a talented guy. He's a dude out of Florida that's 22 years old. It's hard to believe that he would just all of a sudden not want to play football anymore. I think that there is value in him, and I think there are teams that would want to snatch him up for sure. I'm going to... So what are you asking me about this specifically? So are you buying the fact that he can be traded from Jacksonville or that he actually might walk away, or do you think he's going to stay in Jacksonville this season? I feel like he's going to stay. This just, it feels like he might be going through a few things. Here's what Charlie Strong said on Tuesday. He wants to play. That's the thing. He's doing everything he can to get back. We're going to do everything we can to help him get back. He has come back to a couple of practices. He's obviously had a rough go of it these last few weeks. Maybe his mind hadn't been in the right place either, but I would be surprised if he's dealt. Now, if this were to continue. You asked me this after the season, and we've had a bunch of issues. Yeah, he gets dealt. But I think where they drafted him, where the talent is, what he's been able to potentially accomplish, the ceiling for him, I can't imagine they deal him yet. 
All right, so we're going to stay in the NFL. I know you mentioned earlier talking about starting quarterbacks, not playing in the preseason, but Giants quarterback Daniel Jones, he's entering his third season. He has a record of 8-18 eight and 18, and a combined 35 touchdowns and 22 interceptions. Giants head coach Joe Judge said that you know he's not going to play in today's preseason game against the Jets, and he's listed as a healthy scratch. And it's also unclear if he's going to play on the 21st against Cleveland, but it does look like he's going to play against the Pagers on the 29th. Jason, are you buying Judge's plans for Daniel Jones, given everything? he's gone through the past couple of years are you keeping uh his idea on the shelf the idea of not playing him in the preseason yeah i mean i said off the earlier in the show if i had a starting quarterback that i already knew was entrenched in that role i wouldn't play him a down in the preseason because i just don't think there's any reward to it whatever little bit maybe of chemistry he could build now he's got a lot of new receivers he's got galladay he's got the rookie Kadarius tony uh, I think they've acquired John Ross, and you look at—I'm looking at it now. They've got Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton still. They've got a lot of guys that you would want to see him work with. Plus, he hadn't worked a lot with Saquon Barkley because Barkley's been hurt an awful lot. I just any any coach that decides to limit the amount of snaps that a starting quarterback in this league takes in the preseason, I am going to put that in my cart all day long. Even though I'm not really sold on Danny Dimes, and this will be the year where he either needs to have that kind of Josh Allen breakout or the Giants are going to probably going to need to look elsewhere unless they have just massive injuries to explain it away. Uh, I'm with the idea of being very cautious with my starting quarterback in 2021. We're going to the NBA now, Jason. Dennis Schroeder, of course, he agreed to a one-year $5.9 million contract with the Boston Celtics earlier this week. Schroeder, of course, passed on an $84 million deal from the Lakers during this past season because he wanted a multi-year deal around $120 million. Jason, are you buying Schroeder as an upgrade over Kemba Walker, who the Celtics traded to OKC, and he's now with the Knicks, or no? Well, it ended up not being a good fit for him in Boston. Um even though I thought it was going to go much better than Kyrie just because I think Kimba's easier to deal with. But Schroeder is hard to deal with. I mean, if you looked at the stories coming to L.A., he wasn't a great teammate. Matter of fact, throughout his career, he's been kind of an irritant, and he's been an irritant in his own locker room, not just to opponents. Is he an upgrade? Is he an upgrade over a Kimba Walker that couldn't play a lot of time and was, was hurt? Yeah, I guess so. But is he is Schroeder going to be the missing piece for Boston to really elevate itself in the East? I have my doubts. I'm going to leave Schroeder on the shelf. We're going to head to the world of comic books now, Jason. So Z2 Comics, they created a graphic novel surrounding the history of the reggae rock band Sublime called $5 at the Door. Interesting. The graphic novel features an anthology of short stories from the band's early days playing at backyard parties and hand-selling cassette tapes of their music out of their car to producing three acclaimed studio albums that blend in musical styles that continues to endure decades later. Jason, are you going to be picking up this graphic novel or keeping it on the shelf? I'll probably keep it on the shelf, but I would read it if somebody gave it to me. Um, my comic book buying days, for the most part, I think have have passed. There a couple of years ago, I was still getting Batman every month, the the actual Batman comic, but there was a time when I was, I was collecting a good bit, maybe 15 years ago, and... I like Sublime, and especially 40 Ounces to Freedom, which I thought was an excellent record. And then their third record, which was the one where they really broke out, was an excellent record also. I would be interested to see this. I would maybe read it in the store 
maybe get chased out by the guy with the broom that's like, hey, you touch it, you buy it, that kind of guy. Like, yeah, not really that. I would stand by the rack and read this thing. I don't know that I would spend actual money on it, but it's an intriguing idea. I had no idea. So I guess I'm leaving it on the shelf, but I'm kind of interested in it. If I have disposable income, I might consider it. And finally, Rockstar Games is reporting working, uh, reportedly working on remasters of some installments yep. of its famed and acclaimed Grand Theft Auto series. The trilogy will include 2001's Grand Theft Auto 3, 2002's Grand Theft Auto Vice City, and 2004's Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Jason, are you interested in picking up this remastered trilogy, or are you leaving it on the shelf? Well... Vice City was a game I, I poured so much time into. I absolutely loved it. When I beat it, I felt like a real sense of accomplishment. Even when I got past the bank heist, I felt like a giant sense of accomplishment. I ran into an impasse in San Andreas where I just couldn't get past a certain mission, and I just quit. Totally quit. Uh, and 3 was certainly a groundbreaking game that was fun as heck until you saw them expand it out in the game's past. I'll probably be sucked in here. Like that content's a little bit more than I'm really comfortable with at this point in my life in a lot of ways, but I'll probably get sucked into that. So it's hard to see that not actually being on my shelf. Let's go to Kevin Figures and catch up on the latest in the world of sports. K-Fig? All right, we'll start in Major League Baseball where the Giants continue to roll. Anthony Desclafani picked up his 11th victory. Five straight wins there for San Francisco as they defeated Colorado. They lead the Dodgers by five games in the NL West. L.A. did defeat the Mets in extra innings on Friday. Zach Granke pitched seven shutout innings as Houston defeated the Angels 4-1. Cardinals shut out Kansas City 6-0 for their fourth consecutive victory. Joey Votto, a three-run home run for the Reds as they defeated the Phillies. Four solo home runs for Atlanta in a 4-2 win over the Nationals. Seattle beat Toronto. Nelson Cruz a home run for the Rays as they hammered his former team, the Twins, 10-4. Cleveland, Arizona, and Miami's with victory as well. Three NFL preseason games on Friday night capped off by the Cardinals defeating the Cowboys 19-16 on a last-second field goal. Buffalo defeated Detroit on a late field goal as well. The Titans beat the Falcons 23-3. Houston has played starting offensive tackles Larry Tunsil and Titus Howard on the COVID-19 list and then golf Russell Henley with their three-shot lead over Webb Simpson and Roy Sabatini at the Wyndham Championship. Back to Jason Martin. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. That's amazing. Discover now accepted 99% of places in the U.S. to take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report limitations apply. So Nick, are you picking up those remakes? You know, at first I was like, you know, it's not Grand Theft Auto 6. I mean, 5 came out in 2013. So yeah, it's, kind it's of, been a long time. Yeah, I was kind of disappointed that nothing about 6 has really been released or a trailer or anything about that. But, you know, I, I've played all of them. I, I had all of them. I, I will pick up this trilogy because, I, you know, it's it's. I want to see how the remasters look, especially on the, on PS5. So I, I'm interested in it. Yeah, uh, I, I will be curious to see how it looks with a new sheen on it. Going back to the Field of Dreams analogy. Um, four was uh, the thing is with five is I never really got very far into it and then I've picked it up again probably two other times and then I get to it and I'm just like do I really want to do this it's like maybe that time has passed to some degree Um, but yeah three and Vice City and San Andreas I worked and was a manager of a GameStop when San Andreas came out and it was one of the largest launches I've ever seen. It was incredible. I remember going to pick those games up from 
a warehouse because they had arrived in some weird fashion. So we went and picked them up and then came back to the store where there was a line half a mile long. Had to have been. With people that had a pre-order that just wanted to go pick up their copy that afternoon, we launched it like a 5 p.m. in the afternoon on the day that it launched. So it was kind of unique in that way. But yeah, I, I could definitely, I definitely imagine that one's in my cart. No, just for the pure nostalgia of it, if nothing else. Plus, if I get a chance to go through Vice City and it looks good and it, it plays well now, I, I will go through that game again because I had so much fun with it the first time. We'll come back. We will finish the third hour of the program. Um, there are There's a lot of stuff out there that you can be watching. Um, I want to talk about Ted Lasso again, not just to review the series. We've already done that. I want to explain why this week's episode, the one that released on Friday, why they did what they did, because I think that they did something intentional that's important and very unique for television as a whole and certainly in 2021. So we'll do that before we jump into the fourth hour of the show, and that's next here on Fox Sports Radio. Finishing up third hour, Jason Martin Show here on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartradio. One of our listeners, very interested in the Sublime comic. What was the name of that battalion? The Sublime comic? It, yeah. Yeah, the graphic novel, it was called $5 at the Door. $5 at the Door. And the more I've thought about it, the more I would read that. Like if if I, I might not turn that down if I saw it in the store. Five dollars at the door is the name of the sublime comment. All right, so I've told you I really like Ted Lasso. I've written a whole lot about it. Um, I've seen. I mean, I have access to the entire season, but if I, I've seen next week's episode already and another very good one. But the one that released on Friday, I wanted to talk about just a little bit differently because usually on television, holiday episodes are forgettable. Doesn't mean that there haven't been good ones, but the Halloween episode, sometimes that lands, a lot of times it doesn't. Brooklyn Nine-Nine's found a way to perfect that with the way that they've done it in kind of a prank war deal, and it's worked very well. Um, Thanksgiving episodes are often horrendously bad. It's a lot of times it's families arguing with one another. It's not fun to watch. Friends got it right. A few shows have gotten it right. A lot of shows haven't. Christmas episodes turn out to be forgettable, too. They're the... Uh, Santa's real stuff and sometimes it's working at a shelter or something like that like it's all kind of very cut and dry and it's not meant to be memorable it's not meant to be lasting it's just meant to check off the box that this was our Christmas episode for this year so the fourth episode of the second season of Ted Lasso on Apple TV that released on Friday was a Christmas episode not In name only. No, it was a Christmas episode, even though it released on August the 13th. And I think what they've done is uniquely tried. And I I don't know that it's intentional, but it was so well done that it feels like it had to have been. I think that they created a Christmas episode that they wanted to become one you would go back to every year like Christmas Vacation or all the movies that you love, A Christmas Story, whatever yours is, It's a Wonderful Life. I think they created an episode of television, of comedy, 
that they kind of want you to feel every year, hey, man, I want to go back and watch that Ted Lasso Christmas episode. That thing was great. Because it pretty much was. It was pretty much perfect. There was no negativity to be found in it. Um, It was funny. It was clever. It was well done. The heart was just oozing from it even more than the series is really known for. They had this like special opening where it looked like it was claymation. So it had like the Island of Misfit Toys thing happening for it. So I think that they wanted to create something indelible that could become part of people's holiday traditions. Whether they meant to do it or not, and I, I think they did because I don't think you could accidentally fall into this, that is what they have created. I immediately thought, I'm going to watch this every year. I'm going to watch this as part of all the other stuff because it's great. You just don't see that, especially not in comedy and especially not with television. The holiday episodes are just holiday episodes before we're going on hiatus for a couple of months, and then we'll come back with new episodes in the spring. This thing, they do it in August, and they give you the best holiday episode of a show you've seen in a long, long time. Another feather in the cap of Lasso. We'll be back with the fourth hour of the show next. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. LASIK. LASIK.com. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. What's happening? Final hour of the program, Jason Martin Show. 
here nearly mid-August. Our weekends of non-football are basically a wrap. That's a positive. We're soon going to be predicting football games that count, picking apart performances. It's going to be a blast. We're almost there. I'm on Twitter at JMR Radio. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. The crew is Chris Perfett. It's Nick Battaglia. It's Kevin Figures. Appreciate you chiming in. So we haven't talked about this yet at all this morning. And usually when you get to the fourth hour of a radio show, you're talking about things you already have discussed. But we really haven't talked about this whole story that popped up Friday about the Big Ten, the ACC, and the Pac-12 all considering this consolidated merger together, working together. Big 12 not currently involved in that, but forming an alliance is how it's being phrased. The commissioners have been communicating, and they've been talking about this. And what does this mean for playoff expansion? What's the point of this? Some speculation it's about scheduling, like interconference scheduling and all this other kind of stuff to form and get better games and all this. Then there are the conspiracy theorists. And and there has been a rush over this last, certainly since the Texas-Oklahoma stuff has happened, to kind of go at Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the Southeastern Conference, like he is Darth Vader all of a sudden. That the SEC is trying to consolidate all the power in college athletics and basically exclude everybody else. And so it's, and I even saw this, there's a Power 5 athletic director, I don't know who it was, that said, it does kind of feel like it's us versus them. Like they're the evil empire now, meaning the SEC. So if you wanted to do this, then, then they could vote as a block technically like i saw this like they could potentially vote as a block meaning bloc against the sec on various issues and they could have a lot of power to control things so here's the truth about some of this and all this is speculative until it's not even though it was reported in the athletic and it's been confirmed at least by espn but they're all saying it's speculative in terms of the people they've talked to. The comments are like, yeah, it's speculative. I can't comment more on that, which means it's happening. Doesn't mean it will happen ultimately, but it means they are communicating about it. Of the last 15 national championships, the Southeastern Conference in college football has won 11 of them. 11. If these conferences tried to challenge the SEC, if those conspiracy theorists, if those theories were accurate, the SEC could just leave. They could just play their own league. And no one would recognize the champion outside of that league with an SEC-less college football. No one would view that as a champion. They wouldn't take it seriously. The SEC has so much stroke and so much clout when it comes to college football in the eyes of those that watch it that to eliminate them would be to basically 
put an asterisk on every champion that would come afterwards. If you look past college football, you know, then you get to conferences that definitely can compete with the SEC and supplant them in most respects. But this is about college football because that's where the revenue is. College basketball, second, yes. College baseball, a little bit here and there. But generally, college football is is covering a lot of this for a lot of universities. And the SEC does have power, and it does frighten some of these other conferences because they're like, how irrelevant are we now going to be? And if there's going to be an expansion, is the SEC going to have eight of the 12 teams? And this whole deal, maybe we hold back expansion, but we need to we need to ally together so that we can ensure that a four-team playoff is not three SEC teams and one other. I think a lot of this and a lot of what I've seen just in reaction to it, and it's still very early in this story, and there's more to be hashed out and more to be figured out, and there's still the talks of more teams being added to the SEC, the ACC trying to grow teams. The Big 12, Bob Bowlesby, who's not part of this potential alliance, is saying, you know, there have been opportunities for us to potentially merge another conference in with us. Whether that's the AAC or whatever they're looking at, there's there'll be options out there. I do not think that this is getting to be as toxic as social media would have you believe. It's not that college football or other conferences like what's happened with Texas and Oklahoma. I'm sure they don't. But at the same time, if they were in those situations, I have a hard time believing that many of the people in these other universities wouldn't do the same thing that Sankey did and the same thing that the SEC chose to do. Texas and OU made a football move to join the dominant football conference that doesn't look to be changing anytime soon. Because that's where they're going to make the most money. That's where the most money is to be made by a wide margin on television. The other interesting kind of theory out there is that the Pac-12, the Big Ten, the ACC could then basically end the monopoly or the possibility of some kind of a singular control for ESPN on the college football playoff and on all games that matter. Because they can negotiate in their next television contract going somewhere else or they can negotiate... Something to the effect of uh, we're not going to allow the college football playoff to be played on one network. We're going to move it around like the Super Bowl moves around every year. Now we could have it on NBC one year. We could have Fox one year. Make sure that we have a bunch of different partners involved. So there's a lot of different factors here. And... The idea that the SEC is just trying to consolidate power, no, they saw an opportunity and they took it. Texas and Oklahoma are gigantic brands that if you're going to expand the SEC, you just expand it with huge alumni bases as well as a lot of success or a lot of tradition at the very least. OU, a lot of success. Texas, certainly a lot of tradition. And then you've got the college football playoff looming. The next meeting for the college football playoffs in Chicago, it's at the end of September. 
and we're still trying to figure out what we're looking at and how fast we're looking at it. We're still trying to figure out how long we are looking at Texas and OU being anywhere other than the Southeastern Conference. Is this going to be the lone year that that happens, or is it going to be another year, or are they going to wait this thing out to 2025? I'll go ahead and spoil that last one for you. They're not waiting until 2025. If I had to put money on it now, I know, and I know a lot of college football people, and I've talked to several of them, and they all say it would be really hard to make this happen next year. We anticipate 2023. I am not closing the book on them being in the SEC in 2022. Not at all. Because there's advantages to doing it. Now, if you have to pay $80 million to do it, maybe you wait another you wait it out unless you can figure something out. But the Big Ten, pardon me, the Big 12 really doesn't have any reason to let them out on their obligations where they signed. If they're going to leave, then they probably are going to pay out the notes to do it unless the conference dissolves, which would then make all of their agreements null and void in terms of what they owe. They could just tear up that IOU and move on. So if we get a 12-team deal, and the speculation is that now that you add Texas and OU, maybe you push that entire thing back. I don't really know why that would make any sense. Unless you were going to change the format of the four teams and how you pick them. Because I feel like if you do have a strong SEC like that, you still would want 12 if you wanted any shot of getting your team in there. Seems like you would be even more adamant to expand the college football playoff with the larger SEC, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm thinking about, maybe I'm missing something here. But if I'm in the Big Ten or the Big 12 or the Pac 12 or the ACC, outside of Clemson, of course, like generally, I want the most spots possible because I know the SEC is going to be controlling. I mean, Oklahoma, probably Oklahoma's a team that's gotten one multiple years. Are they going to hit the middle of the pack now because they're playing an SEC schedule? Some believe that. It may take some time to acclimate. Texas A&M's never played in an SEC championship game since 2012 when they joined the league. Missouri actually has, which is fascinating. Of the, of the two, you would have thought A&M, but it's actually Missouri that made it to an SEC championship game. College football is really becoming kind of a rock fight behind the scenes. But again, if you watch social media, I think you think it's more volatile than it is. I want to know what the level of trust is. And we get to another point here. And it is that college football, and Mac Brown was the first one to, to voice this, I think, like as overtly as he did about a year, year and a half ago. College football's got to have a commissioner. There's got to be some kind of legislative body, some kind of body of authority Because there's way too much money involved, and there's a lot of power brokers that are making large decisions where they really don't have any rules that they have to follow. They don't have any kind of a governing body. Like the NCAA, that's just whatever, man. I'll laugh that off. Greg Sankey's more powerful than the NCAA at this point in time. Uh, These conference commissioners all could be if they all, you know, worked together properly and wielded that sword effectively enough but there's got to be some kind of there's got to be a ceo right 
There's got to be CEO, a COO. There's got to be operations managers. Like there's got because college football is a business. Now that you look at the NIL and everything else, it's even more so pulling the curtain back on what has already been true and taking what was under the table and now placing it on top of the table where we can all see it. But businesses have CEOs. Apple was run by Steve Jobs. Now it's run by Tim Cook. Microsoft was run by Bill Gates. Facebook does have Mark Zuckerberg as the face of the company. Jeff Bezos does own Amazon, runs Amazon. Like all of all of these people, we have bosses here at Fox Sports Radio. You have a boss at whatever job it is that you have. There is some kind of structure designed to maximize profit. And hopefully, if you're not being too cynical about it, not at the expense of the employees. And you've had an NCAA that I don't think has functioned in any respect as a, as a good business owner, to be sure, but really as a business owner at all. They're mall cops. And they've been mall cops for a long time. Whenever they've had to wade into something big, they've either fallen on their face or they've passed the buck and acted like, oh, we're going to let them figure it out for themselves. That's why Mac Brown said we need a commissioner of college football. Right. You need someone that truly is kind of judge and jury, you need to have a Roger Goodell. Whether you like Roger Goodell or not, you need to have some force like that controlling just college football because it's become too large. The NCAA has no handle on it. And you've got commissioners and you've got schools making multi-million dollar decisions And just being able to kind of do it. It is totally the wild, wild west. Not just for the players and the money that they can now earn, but for these universities, for these conferences, all of this. And you think about the television deals and the money involved. How on earth is there not a Steve Jobs-like figure in college football? How does it make sense for there not to be one? So I look at all this. I look at these three commissioners looking and forming an alliance. I look at the SEC grabbing Texas and Oklahoma. I look at negotiated television deals with the SEC and ESPN. I look at the NIL. I look at EA college football coming back probably next year as a result of that. I look at all of these things, and I'm just like, it's a business but it doesn't have a manager. How is that possible? They, they're they getting to the point where it isn't possible. Like, they can't keep going like this for too much longer. It's too fractured. There's no centralizing force. There are many different actors, but there's no director. There's no core here. There's a bunch of atoms, right? There are, there's protons and neutrons and electrons. They're all circling in this atom, but there, there's no central core there. That is a unbelievable reality that I imagine is going to change. Now, I don't know who that commissioner is going to be, but they've got to figure this out. And maybe they already have, but there, there needs to be a CEO in effect, I'm saying that effectively, not a CEO like by name, 
but a manager. There's got to be a store manager for your college football store. You can't keep doing it this way for too much longer. There's too many people making individual decisions. There has to be someone that's looking out for the best interest of college football as a whole. And if you're out there saying, well, what about college basketball and these other things? Look, they're relevant. And college basketball in particular is a pretty big deal too, but it's not even on the same planet. It's not even in the same galaxy with college football in terms of the revenue and the money that's brought in. So that's what I'm saying right now. I'm echoing anyone else that has said this. And I had said when Matt Brown said it originally that it needed to happen. Without question, got to get a manager for your college football store. There has got to be a commissioner in college football, and it needs to happen yesterday. We'll be right back. I'm Jason Martin, and this is Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back. Jason Martin Show, Fox Sports Radio. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. JMart Radio is where you find me on Twitter. So I want to, well, I don't know if I want to lament something or not. I guess I just want to say something I've noticed. Um, there was a time where football season began. A lot sooner than maybe it does now, when I would go to the bookstore or the grocery store or the drugstore and would see the preview guides, and this would happen for all sports, maybe it would happen for basketball, but it was football season where I would usually always purchase because my I grew up with my dad doing this. He would buy the Street and Smiths, and he would do this for college basketball too, so I guess we could mention that, but that was when college basketball was a much bigger thing. But the college football preview, the NFL preview, where you're looking at the schedule, you're looking at the full roster, you got all these breakdowns. These things are always glossy. They're always put together really well. Big-time staffs and all this kind of stuff. I think we have reached a point where the season preview magazine industry is kind of going the way of the dodo bird, isn't it? Like, there's now, I still get Phil Phil Steele's college guide. That's it. Like, the rest of them, and I I know people that work at some of those publications, and they do a great job, but I just don't need it. Honestly, I probably don't even need Phil's, but I like Phil's, and he puts a lot of work into it. But with the websites, and with the internet, and with 24-7, 365, and people that are devoted to one team, where I can go, for example, to Pride of Detroit and have... Numerous people tell me about the Lions. They're spending all their time really focusing on the Lions, including Chris Perfett, who's out in L.A. as part of my crew here this morning. Um, Why do I need the two pages from one of those magazines? But that was such a cool thing, though. When I was a kid, like you would have that plastic bag. You would come home, you'd have three or four of those books, and you would have those throughout the season. You'd read them everywhere. You'd have them on on your bed. You would have them out. Like when your team was playing against another team, you would have that guide out to look at the team that you were playing against. But now there's so many resources electronically that 
there's no reason to go out to the store to buy those things. They, they become impulse buys. And a lot of times when they become impulse buys for me, and I usually end up buying a lot of them, or I have for years until this year. This year I got Phil's and it was it. Phil Steele's college football preview is the only one that I bought. Usually I still end up getting like four or five of them and then never even opening them. Because I don't need them. Because I've got The Athletic, or I've got SB Nation, or I've got um, ESPN.com. Or wherever it is, like I have all these previews and I have all these great writers and people that I see on TV and listen to on radio and interview myself, writers, all this kind of stuff that put these long form pieces together or do previews that give me so much information that the guide seems antiquated. Chris, you had something on this? Yeah, it's this is kind of a funny conversation but just because I just got in the other day the paper copy of the football outsiders almanac yeah so i'm still i'm still one of those buying some and i used to buy phil Steele's all the time too although i think that's when it comes to football outsiders and you know to a lesser degree the pro football focus like i think it's just the focus has changed for me at least when i'm buying some of these because i'm looking for more things analytic now than Mm -hmm. just you know a couple of pages of preview i want something that's like football outsiders is more in depth there's like you know, 10 pages in there on the Lions or whatever, and it's a bunch of charts. But it also has its shortcomings in that they're, they're numbers based on last year. And when it comes to football, schemes change. It's not like you can just boot up the numbers from last year and plug them in for the next season like you can for basketball or for baseball in their analytics. It's it's such a it's such a hard sport to really put into numbers football. That it just, I I love the preview and I love the work they do, but it also feels like, yeah, to your point, this is going to be outdated very, very quickly. And if I really want more analytic numbers, I can just subscribe or get like a PFF subscription or a Football Outsiders subscription and just get those updated each week. Yeah, no, that's dead right. Like, I mean, I have... We have because we interview a lot of the PFF guys, a lot of the football outsiders guys. We had Aaron Schatz on a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, we'll get a PDF copy. They'll give us a PDF copy of the Almanac. And you look at that and you're just like, it's really hard then to pick up anything in the store and feel like like the football outsider stuff without the subscription. Like there's a lot of stuff there that I get that I'm not going to get unless I actually do pay a little bit of money for it. So that I find valuable but i don't know how many times and this has been true this was true even long before there was something a lot of these other resources online to go to by the time the season comes a lot of those previews are already outdated like for the year there have been injuries there have been changes uh like for some reason like a lot of that information just turns out to feel like it's three or four months older than it should be whereas the internet is 24 7 365 constantly updated can update projections can update statistics and analytics based on different scenarios that happen in real time like all this kind of stuff like Two things that I've been, and I, I continue to be fascinated from afar by this, and I've talked to a couple of card collectors lately about the explosion in trading cards again. Not Pokemon, but actual sports cards again. And I thought that that was dead, and it's come back. And then the NFTs, the non-fungible tokens, have come back at the same time. And the NFT thing, to me, I don't get. Like, I understand it. I'm saying I'm not cognizant of what it is. I just don't. It seems like it's almost a scam to me. Like, I don't need to own something digitally. Like, that doesn't do anything for me. 
And because of my reaction to it, I immediately started to grasp why I think the sports trading card industry has found a resurgence. And it is tangibly being able to collect and possess something. Not on the cloud, not on a device, but an actual physical card. Uh, And a lot of them are really high done now and... Uh, obviously they, they're a lot different than they were when I was collecting them religiously when I was a kid, but there's something about owning it. I'm still the guy that buys CDs. I pre-order CDs from artists that I love because I want a hard copy. Uh, I want to, I still, for some reason, I, I, the CD player still works in my car. So I still have a CD in there at all times. I still go buy books because I don't really love reading on a tablet. Um, I, I will do it, and if I go travel, I like to have that copy. I got a ton of books on my tablet uh, because I don't want to take hardcover books and, and books everywhere else, but a book that I really want, I, I really like to read the book. If I had the money, I would subscribe to the Wall Street Journal instead of just having the app, but the app's 10 bucks a month, and so I've got the app. And it's actually a really solid app, and I can read it on the tablet, and I enjoy that. But I'm somebody that still buys DVDs. From time to time. Not like I used to, but I still get them. I still care about actually being able to possess real things, not digital things, not code, not binary code, not some token, some piece of a video that then I own that supposedly is artwork, but I have to log into some account to see it and all this other kind of stuff. And I feel like that... And the free time created through the pandemic explain why trading cards have returned. And so I was thinking about that in terms of these preview magazines. It's just like, well, is it the same deal? Because the reason that I end up buying two or three of these every year usually is because I just like to possess them. I like to have them. I like to see them sitting on the coffee table. You know, I like to see them. I like to maybe pull it out with my coffee and you know, read it for a couple of minutes here and there. But I never read the things cover to cover. I'm not sure I've done that since I was a teenager. I know there, uh, Phil Steele, like, uh, you'll see all these posts on Twitter if you follow him where it's people that are, like, at the beach with the Phil Steele college preview and are like, this is what we do all summer long is read through this thing. I've never done that. Like, I refer to it, but I've never read it cover to cover. Maybe I should do that. It just, it, there's a lot of writing in there. And he puts a ton of work into it, and I use it as part of my game preparation in terms of games that I'm either doing pregame for or certainly ones that I'm going to talk about on this show or any other show or any other opportunity. If I go on to do maybe an interview with somebody else, then I go check into their team a little bit so I know a little bit so I can talk about them. So there's reasons for that from a professional standpoint. I just think we've come to a spot where, and this is not just the college sports or the sports in general preview magazine industry it's a magazine industry writ large like i still like magazines but maybe that's because i'm 42 like maybe the 20 year old has no reason to even care if mad magazine had been digital i'm not sure i would have read it but it wasn't so i collected them and i had vintage ones that you know, relatives would find for me at flea markets and give to me and i had all of the the books that they would put out and the super specials and all that kind of stuff. That mattered. There was something about that. 
But if it's just something on my computer, I, I, I don't see the worth the same way. So I kind of lament that these preview magazines aren't what they once were. But at the same time, I don't know that the value is still there. As Chris pointed out, Football Outsiders, I have the PDF of that almanac, and I pine for the... I would love to have the actual almanac just because it would be cool to own. There are a few of those every year that that are worthy of that kind of thing. But that's what it's become. It's become either have one of these, which these things are a t- just 400 pages with giant, with giant staffs of people putting in work after work after work after work. Uh, Warren Sharp's football preview is another example of one that's out there that's similar in that regard because they're giving you something that you're not going to get from everything else. Even the best one of these kind of preview ones you get on the newsstand, it seems like it's very cookie-cutter information considering what's available to you online about whatever team it is that you're interested in at that point. So I would say that that industry is probably not coming back the way that sports cards have. But it's curious just because I still like seeing them in the newsstand, and I've still got that. There's a little bit of me that just wants to grab one. It's just like, you know, I'm going to take it anyway. Because it's just like, mm-hmm, I like to possess those things. But I finally broke that streak. Phil Steele's the only one that got me this year. And maybe he's going to continue to get me every year. But things have changed, no question about that. Let's go to figures. K-Fig, one more time, find out uh, what the latest in the world of sports is. Fig? All right, Jason, we'll start in the NFL. Three preseason games on Friday night. Bills defeating the Lions 16-15. to Cardinals making a field goal as time expired as they defeated Dallas 19-16. to Titans all over the Falcons 23-3. Former Washington running back and current free agent Darius Geis has been suspended for six games for violating the league's personal conduct policy. Houston, Texas will be without starting offensive tackles Laramie Tunsil and Titus Howard after both men were placed on the COVID-19 list. In college football news, The Athletic is reporting that the Pac-12, Big Ten, and ACC have had discussions about forming a scheduling alliance. The Pac-12 met with the Big 12 last week to discuss a potential alliance as well. Distant response to Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC in 2025. In baseball, the Giants won yet again Friday night, 5-4 over the Rockies. Warren Flores with a home run there. Seattle defeating Toronto on a walk-off walk, 3-2. Kyle Tucker at Grand Slam as Houston defeated the Angels 4-1. Atlanta defeated Washington 4-2 after a lengthy rain delay. The Braves hit four solo home runs in that victory. Arizona walked off the Padres 3-2. Dodgers snapping the Mets' three-game winning streak with an extra inning victory. New York did play Javier Baez on the 10-day injured list with back spasms. Boston with three home runs and an 8-1 blowout win over Baltimore. Texas, Cleveland, and St. Louis with wins. The Reds with a victory as well. They are two and a half games back of the final wild card spot in the National League. Back to Jason Martin. Appreciate it. K-Fig, it is the Jason Martin Show here on Fox Sports Radio. We are soon to finish up another four-hour journey together. Appreciate everybody being here, certainly. So again, I said this off the very top of this show, and I'm going to say it again. Do not get sucked in. Do not be taken down the wicked path by preseason hot take guy or certainly preseason takes on social media. They're relentlessly bad. I'm still seeing them now popping up in the feed about how great backup quarterbacks looked and how, boy, there could be a quarterback. No, there's no quarterback controversy. The entrenched starter is the entrenched starter. That's why he didn't play. And the guy that then did play, played against his side. He played against the number two, or he played against the number three on the other side. 
if he plays in a regular season, he has to play against the ones. That's where the trick comes in. That quarterback that looked great in the fourth quarter of a preseason game, it's not even just that it didn't count. Because they were keeping score. And they were attempting to gain yards or be put through scenarios and all that stuff. It's that the competition was to the level of what was on the field, not to the level of what's going to be seen on Sundays here in about a month. That's as simple as I can make it. That third-string quarterback looked great against third-string pass rushers, third-string linebackers, third-string coverage guys. And that's all he was asked to do, and that's a fair statement to make. You can even say, I think he could have done that against the twos. Maybe he'll get that opportunity in a, in a preseason game. Maybe he'll get a couple of extra reps in a, in a game here in a, in a week or two or something like that, and then you can see it for yourself. But you have to remember, when you're watching the third and fourth quarter, of a preseason game, or even earlier in some cases, especially when the starter isn't playing at all, and you are watching what you think is a really solid performance, you can feel like, I mean, that's good for the guy's confidence no matter what, but you always have to remember the opposition or lack thereof. And I think too often it's easy to get caught up in the moment and the performance without looking at the context. you got to make sure you read the article, not just click the headline you see that headline like wow did you see this story and the response many times should just be did you because the headline is often misleading or an analogy to something else or something that's tongue-in-cheek and supposed to be understood once you read the article preseason can be valuable as long as you don't forget the context. So as you're watching these games, and there's a lot of them coming up today and this evening, just make sure you're watching the context of all of this. Now, if you're watching a rookie quarterback that's in there and he's doing anything good, that's good because he's still learning the NFL game. He's still learning what it's like to be a part of that kind of an organization. There's a lot of new to what's happening right now. So you can take you can take positives away. You can feel good about what you're seeing. Just don't overvalue it. And don't allow other people to overvalue it for you. And then when you see media types that are gushing about preseason performances, just just take that and put it in the trash. Not don't put them in the trash. Criticize the performance, not the performer. You just can't take a lot of that stuff seriously. They have to fill time. They may actually believe some of that stuff, but they're using the same information you are. They saw the same thing that you did. And if you just remember the context of the situation, you're never going to be caught off guard. We'll be back to finish up this edition of the Jason Martin Show on the other side. Hit me up on Twitter with any of your thoughts. And a lot of you have been this morning. I certainly appreciate that. I'm at Radio. We're back in five here on Fox Sports Radio. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. L-A-S-I-K LASIK.com Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K LASIK.com There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Finishing up this edition of the Jason Martin Show here. It's been fun for the last three hours and 50 minutes. We'll do four more for you here. Anthony. Gargano coming up next across many of these very same Fox Sports Radio stations. You can find me on Twitter at jmartradio. So I was looking at ESPN.com during the break and the NBA section, and they go back and they're actually reliving Kobe Bryant going to Rucker Park in 2002. And we were talking there in the third hour about if you were basketball and you were trying to do the Field of Dreams thing, how could you do it? Now, you don't have the the movie nostalgia kind of thing. There have been some great basketball movies, but nothing that there's nothing that stands out because of the aesthetics of what's going on. Like, Hoop Dreams was about the characters. Blue Chips was, I mean, Blue Chips is a little bit campy, but I loved it because of that. Uh, Hoosiers did have a little bit of atmosphere, and that's why I suggested maybe you go try to play that with, I mean, some top flight NBA teams. But even that, like, the the other thing that you had with the Field of Dreams game was the teams that made sense to be in it. And I don't know that you have that because, I mean, nobody cares about the Pacers playing there, even if it's cool because it's the Pacers. I mean, if Reggie was still there, we could talk about it. I mean, they've, they've had a few moments, but... 
Rucker Park was the other example that we mentioned of maybe you could do it. Now, Rucker Park's not set up to have thousands of fans, so it would be a very intimate kind of setting. And you've seen guys go through Rucker in the offseason from time to time and stuff like that. I think Durant might have done it one year. Maybe Kyrie's done it. Like There have been the NBA players that do that. But they're pop-up situations. And they become really cool because of that, but they're pop-up. They're not like giant media deals. A lot of times it would be shot on like weird cameras and things like that because it would just kind of be for the moment. Like if you were to go to Rucker Park because of how it's set up, like what would you do? Like you would have to clear out a bunch of area around it and create space for an audience unless the whole point was make it as authentic as possible and then there wouldn't there would only be, you know, however much the capacity was, but you would still have all these NBA players and security would be there to make sure it was safe. But outside of that, it would be just the cameras to cover the game. It would be an outdoor basketball game with NBA players. Maybe you pull it off then. And then if you do it, you probably do the Knicks. And you hope that the Knicks continue along the path that they were this past year where they were winning games. You could do it with Brooklyn. You certainly could do it with Brooklyn. Um, And then maybe you bring in L.A. Maybe you bring in the Lakers. Like That would probably be the closest that you could do if you were just trying to grab it franchises to do it with. Um, You still, I don't think, have... The Field of Dreams thing was very unique because baseball was perfect for that kind of an experience. And that's not to slight it at all. Like They took full advantage of it and did it beautifully. I'm definitely of, of the mindset that you're not going to get 6 million people to watch it again. Most watched game in 16 years. Now, will you get more than a regular regular season game? Yeah, but it will, it will diminish in terms of the, its value if you continue to go back to it. You go back to it the once, you get one chance to have that reunion special, but you can't keep having the reunion special. You know? Now you think about Woodstock 94. Yeah, that worked out pretty well. Then they did Woodstock 99, and there's a documentary about it, and it's not particularly flattering to how that all went down. You were able to recreate it one time. You tried it twice. It didn't work out so well. You can only have one Friends reunion, one Fresh Prince reunion, one Saved by the Bell reunion, unless you actually do a reboot, which sometimes doesn't work out. So good on them for the Field of Dreams thing. I think Rucker Park is probably the best thing you could do from an NBA perspective, but it would be hard to pull it off, and you certainly would. It just wouldn't be as natural a fit. So that's why it works so well for baseball. It's been fun. I appreciate my crew. I appreciate all of you guys interacting with me on Twitter. You can hit me anytime at Jmart Radio. Anthony Gargano is coming up next. Enjoy your Saturday, including all of the fake football. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 